found a spot and stay because there were lots of records I got that I listened to and maybe even liked at the time, but they didn't stay with me for 25 years. Right. Um, but I know initially this one probably really found its hooks because this was sad man music. Yes. Um, if you look that up in the dictionary, <laughs> you will see Peter Steele's indifferent face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that that was because I was a very sad person. I was a very sad young man, but I also had all this baggage where I really, really needed to be seen as a man also. So I needed records. Like, I needed a record like this because, and it's interesting. I didn't really think about it until what you said earlier about like the vocals and grave babies being low, but uh -huh. listen to Peter still sing and look, look at him. No, look at that fucking dude. No one's bigger and no one's lower. Like say that dude's not a man. And what's interesting is it's, you know what I mean? Because the lyrics on here are so vulnerable. Yeah. Like, Almost to a fault. Like, almost it's like, yeah, because that is what people, that is what stupid guys actually think. It's almost farcical. But we're too afraid, but most people are too afraid to say it. But that is, you know, like, um, what was it? What was it? Um, Be My Druidus? Mm-hmm. The, uh... Yes. <laughs> Episode 20. Recorded February 18th, 2022. Um, and not a single one of these has been released yet. So, but I'm looking to start releasing them very soon. Coming, coming up on half a year. Uh, so if you could get, the, get that in the can, you'd be yeah. solid gold for a while. Yeah, man. It was really, it was really weird because... Uh, sorry, I'm making myself a drink right now. It's live, live bartending. Yeah, alchemy working here. Um, and I'm and I'm a little sick. I took a COVID test right before you came, so I don't have that. But just you know, so I'm probably gonna have to like some edit other... some coughs and some stuff. But so I oh, you don't have a, you don't have a cough button, do you? We need cough buttons. <laughs> Just, a, a, just another fucking thing to put in the signal chain to yeah. give me problems. Yeah. Oh, man. I Production. Had, I haven't had a Jack and a Coke, Jack and Coke in a little bit, man. That Probably tastes, since we last recorded. <laughs> probably. <clears throat> that tastes amazing. Um, But, yeah, it was really – so uh, it was really interesting, I guess, because basically late July – um, cause that's whenever things in small deal were ending and, and I had like all these plans about what I was going to do next and, uh, this podcast being one of them. And then my mom got sick, like the day, the day that we were supposed to record the first one, we had, right. to, we had to delay it a week right? because my mom got put in the hospital and and then we did a podcast talking about my mom, where we talked about my mom at length. And then we had to delay the next one because the day we had it scheduled, she died a week after the. She died a week after the recording of the first episode. Right. And um, and so all of my plans kind of went out the window 
but we kept recording podcasts because I had sort of started that. So there was something in my brain that was like, just keep, keep doing that. And, um, and it really wasn't, I guess, until about a few weeks ago that it started. That it was like, okay, do I still want to do the things that I had planned on doing in late July? Mm-hmm. You know, the things that I had put it like, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Put out, you know, make a bunch of like metal drum cover videos and do this podcast and all that sort of stuff. And, and it was, and, and I wasn't really sure, I guess. I mean, I, I, I was always going to release this, you know, I wasn't going to just sit on it, you know, but I just wasn't really sure if the person I am now was the same as the person who made all those plans, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, because even yeah, even just in a few short months, things can change drastically. Yeah, it was just so nuts. It was just so, <clears throat> and all this like, you know, Delta surge, and then the Omicron. Yeah, it's just Delta surge. How how quaint <laughs> it is to remember that. Yeah, because uh, we did we did an episode that was sort of talking about that as it was sort of, mm-hmm. you know, I don't remember if it was sort of as it was picking up i feel like as it, as it was dying down maybe that, that seems right yeah. yeah that seems like an age ago yeah and so you know which is just it's it's just been a it's just been a heavy a heavy few months you know yeah um so i just wasn't really it was really it took a long time for the clouds to part <laughs> for me to feel motivated to go back and listen to that first episode where I'm going to talk, where it's like, Oh, I need to listen. I need to go and edit this conversation that I'm having about my mother as if she's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. What, what a, what a crazy scenario I painted for myself. (laughs) Um, But I'm really grateful. I'm, 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 I'm so intensely grateful that we got to capture that. Definitely. Because. Yeah. You know, I mean, how, how perfect of, <laughs> you know, let's talk about the music my mom listened to in front of me. Right. You know, and capture it, you know. So right. I'm, I'm real, you know. But yeah, so, but, but here we are. Um, I'm a little sick. Uh, so I'm going to try to keep my sniffles and coughs off mic. So, but I apologize in advance. It can't be as bad as like, I'm, every time we record one of these, I'm like leaning back here and I'm always worried it's going to pick up really well. So, um, I haven't noticed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably going to be fine. Then. I, have, I haven't really noticed. I, I, cause yeah, I've been knee deep in editing and I was like looking up some of the, some of the, some of like the way that people edit these, like, you know, professionally or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I ain't doing all that. Like, like what kind of stuff? <clears throat> Like the, when they were, when they're it's like that kind of like, <clears throat> like that thing right there, like, I'm just going to try to make sure that I'm just going to put a compressor on there to make sure that there aren't any things that stick out loud and volume wise. Right. They're going to go in and take those out. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I this isn't, I'm not making a, I, this is, this is a conversation. I'm not making a radio program. Right. You know? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I've I've listened to podcasts who started out editing every last little um and pause and cough and stutter yeah. and all this stuff, and it takes immense amounts of time, and it's just really not worth it, and it almost sounds unnatural at a certain point. And what you end up doing over time is just learning how to, in real time, just sort of edit that stuff out of you doing it and it just becomes more natural. Right. It's not a big deal. Well, and the thing too, the thing that I've noticed, I, I think I think a lot goes I think there's a lot that can go I edit that out. Edit that out. <laughs> take that out. Take that out. Take that out. No stutter, no pause. I never I never have to I never hesitate. My thoughts are lucid and clear and intelligent and eloquent all the time. They just flowing come out. Flowing all, like a Rocky Mountain spring. Uh, I I think that there's a lot to be. I think you can get a lot of mileage out of being a fan of the thing you're trying to produce, for sure. And so, yeah, I I think that's why, as a young person, when when you're young and you're making music, you're able to you're able to get you're able to get so much further than you really rationally should be able to and i think it's because of that because you're just such an intense fan so you know when you get it right um and you know what's important to you as a listener and so it's like you are a part of the target audience yeah so you know what's important to you and what's you know and as a podcast listener the thing that bothers me the most the, the, it's not even really the audio quality it's more the audio the volume consistency yeah like if I'm having to mess with the vo- oh that person's talking now I need to turn this down, or now I need to turn this up. That's what's gonna bother me. So as long as this isn't that, <laughs> then it's you know or the mic or it's not audio from a Zoom call because I've listened to podcasts where that's all it is. No, totally. Like so and, I, and I love it. Yeah, because if it's a if it's great if it's a great conversation, then <clears throat> who cares? Yeah, there, there's a a group of dudes who do do multiple podcasts per week that I listen to and they're it's they're still remote from each other mm-hmm. for various reasons uh and that is always a problem because they talk e- over each other all the time and like they acknowledge it and they try to you know fix it but it's it's an easy thing to do and that's just a weird reality of recording stuff like that remotely the like so many people are doing these days right but also one of the dudes has a really low gate on his mic okay so as soon as his voice gets up past a certain point it just starts cutting out you can't hear what he's saying anymore and that's a huge problem and that's like professional dudes who do this kind of stuff and you're like (laughs) worrying about like i think we're fine oh dude yeah we're we're so (laughs) to continue this thought from earlier today yeah Yeah, like we're yeah we, we we talked for a while before before we press record but yeah yeah so um, but yeah. So what, what's what's been going on with you? Any any other thing you want to throw out? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. Um. So, I watched, I watched that NFT video. Yeah. That you sent me. I mean, I did want to talk about that. Yeah. Um. The the Dan Olson folding ideas. Yeah. Uh, line goes up. It, it's really it's really a disservice to call it a video. It's a it's a documentary. Yeah, I don't. I guess that's the best that's the best descriptor. Uh, yeah, um, 
Yeah, I. It, it's a it's a snapshot. It's a it's a bit of a. <laughs> um, to, I forget if he, because there was the there was the interview he did with, FD Signifier also, mm-hmm. and I forget if it was him in there who said that, or if if I saw it somewhere else. But like, the, the uh, way that that video has been, uh, sort of absorbed, by. Like it's it's his highest view video by far, and it's and only it was, been out a few weeks. Yeah, and it was ex- it was extremely quick to get there. Um, but I think the way a lot of people seem to be looking at that that piece is like as sort of an artifact of this time mm-hmm. and this event that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a good like summation. Like every, every once in a while, you'll something will happen. I remember when COVID was like a year or so in. And this huge Atlantic article came out sort of summing everything up mm-hmm. and saying why things had gone as bad as they had gone and how the medical community had responded and why they had done so and all these different things. They took a lot of disparate elements and put them all together in a cohesive thought and said, here's how things are. And that's really what this feels like to me Yeah, in a lot of ways. That's a really good description. It's, uh, it's really something. Yeah. It's, it's like what two and a half hours. It's well beyond. It's like Marvel feature film, like <laughs> Avengers it, three levels. It might it might be like t- closer to two and a quarter. Maybe yeah. But it is it's it's over two. It, hours. It's over two hours long, and it's uh, it's a good description. It's a good summation of um, the state of cryptocurrency to an extent and and nfts specifically right uh it doesn't so much get into he doesn't really cover the the um specifics the mechanics of what (laughs) makes cryptocurrency work per se he doesn't get into what a blockchain is right necessarily Uh, i don't think he says in the video but uh there are like extremely well done videos that explain exactly that sure uh so maybe i think he didn't feel the need to get into that but the things he does get into are very well yeah. uh, expounded upon. What what I I really appreciated how he I mean, there's just so much information and put together in such a clear way. Yeah. And it was really nice to hear someone. I don't think I've heard someone who under who knew that much about you know crypto and 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 who had done that much research and had sort of been you know ear to the ground since it you know really paying attention since its onset that was speaking hypercritically of it mm-hmm. uh, which was really nice to hear because i I've only encountered uh you know the the evangelists right. so to speak. I mean, I think there's a good reason for that, and it's because early, well, you know, early on, I guess like 10 years ago, you can say that's early on when sure. Bitcoin really started taking off. Uh, the only people paying attention to it were people who, A, knew what it was at all, right. which was very few people to begin with, mm-hmm. and B, the people who saw it as a way to make money. Right. Because that's really all it was to begin with uh, for the layman. Right. You know, um, you, you know, whenever I knew that, um, that, that crypto was the moment that I knew whenever, oh, this is, this is, this has gone bad. Uh-huh. This isn't, this isn't going to be good. 
it was whenever my uh, when I started to hear murmurs of it in the health and wellness community. Um, ah, when I started could be when I started to hear people talk about it like a get rich quick, like talk about it solely from a like get in on this early, get in on the ground floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk about it so the same way you talk. People talk about pyramid schemes or yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, this can make sure that our grandkids can blah, blah, blah. You know, like just talking about it in that. Nothing to do with because I had only I previously had only been exposed to people who were just really on, you know, like anarchist types who were just really on board with the sort of the decentralized ethics Mm -hmm. of it. And so I was really I, I, I really appreciated the video it was amazing. Awesome. Um, so, I I I have never, but I hadn't. Did, did you? I forget if he went into it in the video at all. But did he, did you glean how he got into, like, what made him do this? I, what I remember is him talking about how he was, like, how the video changed what it was going to be several times. Like uh-huh. he was going to put what one video, but then like someone else sort of beat him to it, I think, or, or, or something else, or, or maybe that, that maybe I'm, maybe I might be mixing some stuff up, but that he, um, I might be mixing up what he said about the flat earth video, Mm. but, um, Oh yeah. I think that's what he said about that video. Yeah. But that it kept changing. Like the, the, the NFT landscape kept changing so fast that, yeah, that, you know, yeah, that that definitely was part of it. Well, what are you, what are you referring to? So he, if you, uh, I don't, I don't know if I follow him on Twitter or not, but I've I've seen people retweet him a number of times over the past nine, twelve months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at some point, he started keeping this Twitter thread over the course of about nine or twelve months or so of him getting invites to these discords for okay crypto, yeah, currency and mining and and whatever else. Uh, and at some point, he. I guess he would just said, fuck it. I'll just start accepting them and see what's going on. Yeah. Like, why not? It might be fun or it might be funny. Uh, and so getting into all that, he just sort of let himself be enveloped by all that shit. And I think once he really got to understand what it was, that was what it, what it actually was, what was going on there, he sort of became fascinated by it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what it came. That's kind of where it, where it came from was he just kind of got, subsumed and right. he kept this he kept this public twitter record of like all this crazy shit he was coming across and then he made a video <laughs> about it yeah. all yeah like i don't <clears throat> i don't have a lot of strong feelings about any of it um i just and i mean and and maybe you know i i guess like i'm always real measured in what i say about crypto because i have close friends who who were really intense about it at some point. They might not be now. I haven't talked to them about it in a long time. But, yeah. Um, but I don't know. But it always sort of seemed like I couldn't articulate it as well, of course, but it was whenever he's like, yeah, you made something that is just, that, that works worse than what we already have. Um, yeah. And, the- and just because it's different doesn't mean that it's better. And, yeah. and I really, 
I really appreciated <laughs> hearing because it's like, yeah, that's kind of, you know. Yeah, it's. <coughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm no. I'm no scholar of it, and I don't have a ton of great insight into it. But like, what you one of the great, and I'm not gonna get it totally into it, but just like to touch on that decentralization aspect of it, mm-hmm. and it's like. A system like that has to have oversight somewhere along the line yeah. for everybody to be using it. And you can't just – it can't just be chaos. It's not going to work. Yeah, and I, I guess like that Whether is... it's like morally more correct, that's a different question than like can it happen. Yeah, that I – need, I need to, you know, one of these days – We'll have a we'll have an anarchy cast. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll get my buds over here, and we'll get their we'll get their perspective on it because that that generally sort of seems to be my frustration with a lot of the a lot of things that it's like okay, cool, I, I can buy an abstract theoretical argument that this is morally correct and whatnot, but um, there are people who are going to benefit from the system, and there are people that um, who already have power that already have resources that can extract more that don't care. They don't have your ethics. They don't care. They're not in this for it to be because it's more morally correct. They're in it because it's a way for them to have more, do more. And, you know, like, what do you, what do you do about that? And that's always that's always sort of like my problem is that if you if you take away if you take away oversight, then the power is going to stay where it's at, and the resources are going to stay where they're at. You know, like if it's like all right, you know, man. I mean, I don't I don't want to go off in the weeds because I haven't no, exactly, like, yeah. I haven't like worked this out like. Right. Yeah, I you didn't, know what I mean. And and um, I don't want to dive. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to dive too too deeply into that. But yeah, it's like it's exactly like you said. That everything is going to remain as it is. The status quo is going to be maintained, and the only people who are going to benefit are the opportunists. Right. And that's it. Right. And, and they and they probably not always, but they probably don't have <coughs> anyone's best interest at heart but their own. Right. And when you talk about like these things, like you talk like the anarcho capitalists and stuff like that, like it's. You know, like just extreme free market capitalism and stuff. And it's it's like like I'll buy the argument that the free market can solve certain problems efficiently, but it to me is it's okay if you want to and like when you dig into like a you know, like a lot of these like the Austrian school of economics and just all that free market shit. Um mm-hmm. it's they build all these like fancy models and it's all based on, you know, people's people like spending money and that like, and and that, and it's like that being, they put that on the same sort of like scientific footing as, you know, like fucking mass and gravitation and electrons and shit. Mm. And so, but the thing is, is they, you know, because they look at it as, as like sort of like, all right, well, if people have money and they're able to spend their money and make those choices, then the best things will, you know, the best choices will be made, the best 
products, the best services will be the ones who survive, who will get this and who adapt to the marketplace and blah, 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 blah. And they talk about like, this is a great thing for freedom and all this sort of shit. And it's like, but you, you're saying, by saying that dollars are votes, you're saying that people who don't have dollars shouldn't vote. And that's and that's that's never a problem. That's never there's never a way to work that into the model. There's no you know what I mean. And yeah, it 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 frustrates me because then you run into a lot of weirdness and these people who talk about that sort of stuff and they talk about as you get like more like on the right wing side of it, they talk about small government or weak government or whatever, but they don't really want small government. They want a really strong judicial branch that always rules in favor of businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <coughs> yeah, maybe that maybe that would be a fascinating conversation to have. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess uh, what I, I guess what I take from that the whole model thing is like that's just a plan. You you just made a plan, and if I what I've learned about a plan over my lifetime is that a plan is something that you that you make so that you have something to fall back on when shit doesn't go the way you thought that it was going to go. Right, right. And I mean, and man, shit, like the models for electrons and shit aren't quite right. Like, <laughs> you know, like you can't, like, you you know, economic man, like you can't. Yeah. That idea. Um, but yeah, there was a book I read last year called Democracy in Chains by Nancy McLean. And so it talks a lot about. Yeah, they did a Man in the Box Fantastic book. <sighs> yeah, democ. Yeah, mm -hmm. nice. <laughs> it doesn't work on any level, almost. <laughs> One very specific stupid level, right? and that's it, it. it's, anyway. Fuck you, Robert. Yeah, thanks. Uh, but yeah, man, you know, I've, I've always, I've been exposed to a lot of those sort of like decentralized, whatever, free market, blah 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 ideas, and it's. Mm -hmm. uh, I always have like a funny feeling about it. Because it always seems rightly to, so, I would it, say it always seems to lead to like weird places, uh, you know. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so, have you been a fan of like folding ideas? Like, have you been following him for some time? I've been. I've watched his stuff for a, <coughs> like a couple years here and there. He's not. He's not super uh, prolific. He's not super frequent on the uploads. Right. I, this so. is the first thing of his that I watched. Okay. Was the NFT video? So there's a whole. Maybe you knew of it beforehand, but if you if you have seen FD Signifier's channel, you know what BreadTube is. Yes. Right? Yeah. Were you familiar with that before? Very familiar, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's like adjacent, but not in that. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, he, he, gets, he doesn't get as directly political about it, I guess, a right. lot of he, times. He's a friend of BreadTube, but he's not. <laughs> so, yeah, something like know. that. BreadTube adjacent. Yeah. Something like that. So anyway, yeah, if, if, if you've ever gotten into any of that shit... Uh, which I I watch some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I, I uh, like a lot of it. I I, I love like ContraPoints videos. Mm -hmm. Those are incredible. All of those, um, and you know, yeah, I, I watch like a drama guy and stuff. So, um, yeah, but yeah, so if Khadi like Khadijah and Bobway, I, I love her stuff. I watch as much of her stuff as I can. Yeah, blah blah blah. Uh, but yeah, you you get recommended these videos, and and his folding ideas was one of the ones I got recommended at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just. Good, interesting stuff. He used yeah. to do more uh, film, 
criticism, I think. Right. That was the rabbit hole I sort of went down because I, I watched the Flat Earth one, which was amazing, and that like put so many that put words to so many ideas that I <laughs> that I've been having rattling around in my head of of having to deal with conspiracy minded folks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. That one was so good. Uh, highly recommended. And then I really enjoyed uh, the Fight Club one that he did where he talked about Fight Club and masculinity. It was like from a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I watched that one like or not. Like six years ago or something. <coughs> I'll have to go back and find that. It was really good because it sort of talks about how, um, well, it really highlights a lot of sort of like the symbolism and whatnot going on about how, you know, like he's in a a group for testicular cancer. Right. Like you literally can't, you know, like your manhood has been taken. And there's a guy who's his sob story is that, you know, he wasn't able to have kids and his wife has a new husband and, you know, a new family and all that. And how on the front end, it's a rebellion of, you know, it's a rebellion of sort of what's like society's version of masculinity. But then they just but Project Mayhem just replicates the same thing. Like it's the same trap. It's the same, in essence, it's the same thing. Just it, it's like you still have to wear the same uniform. It's just a different uniform. You still have mm -hmm. to do the same kind of shit to get approval and to be a real man. It's just different shit. Right, 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 right. <coughs> and about how he's, how he, um, isn't able to relate like how he relates to women and or like you know it's personified by Marla and how he's not able to have any interact with her in any way that isn't anger or indifference until the very end right you know and things like that and I, I thought it was I thought it was really really interesting all the things he tied together in in that regard because I um yeah because I remember I remember how well, and I mean, and even at the time, I remember it's like Brad Pitt looking out like in a billboard. It's like, is that what a real bed's supposed to look like? Da 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 da. And it's like, dude, that's what you look like. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, um, I haven't watched that movie in a very long time, but yeah, I remember that part specifically. But it's the, the so the yeah, but like the issue with it is it's looking at masculinity. It's looking at like what happens whenever men are dissatisfied not but they don't become truly dissatisfied with the system they're dissatisfied that they don't get what they were promised it's like oh yeah. we were told we would be astronauts and rock stars and famous and celebrities and millionaires and it's not going to happen and we're pissed or whatever the line is right 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 <clears throat> instead of and instead of like casting all that aside and like no it was you know, it was foolish to want these things. It was foolish to want, you know, um, it was foolish to want to be above other people. I am now mad that I'm below my boss or I'm below this or below this because of all these status things that are bullshit, you know, Ikea, an apartment, blah, 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 you know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is, it, but at the same time, it was, it was it, I don't know. I feel like we should rewatch it and talk about it at some point because it was so formative for our generation. Yeah. And, 
but yeah, that, that that video does a good job sort of unpacking the the masculinity aspects of it, of how it's you know. And it, what's cool though is like he does it in a way that doesn't interrogate, that doesn't like. He's not he's not saying it's a bad film, which I which I really really appreciate. Mm-hmm. He's not ripping on it as a, as a piece of art. Like, yeah. It's like this is what this is the meaning that is coming through this art, right? Um, but yeah, it's like sort of like the the criticism that gets thrown at a uh, quote unquote like white feminism. Have you heard of that distinction? I don't. I mean, maybe not. So like the idea, like like the like girl boss feminism. Mm-hmm. Like the idea is that you're mad that you can't do a patriarchy too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, like, no, I want to be a boss and I want to subjugate people also. Not, not like, no, it's not. It's, nobody should be subjugated. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like, yeah. oh no, these, these shitty men have kept me, have, haven't allowed me to subjugate people. And I want to subjugate people just how they do. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's, and so, you know, it's like, are you protesting the system or are you protesting access? Like, is that what, you, well, what are you mad about? Are you mad about injustice or are you mad about access, you know, your access to be unjust? Right. And so that's, it sort of was like Fight Club. That, that video on Fight Club sort of looks at masculinity in that same sense of. Yeah. Like what happens when you're frustrated about not feeling like a man, but you don't have the language or the tools to think about a thing, or no one's told you about patriarchy or things like that, right? Um, then you're just gonna probably end up in this weird perverted, you know, this weird place of just like, well, I'm just mad that I'm not getting mine. Like I was supposed to be Luke fucking Skywalker. I'm a goddamn special boy. What do you mean? Um, I think what happened, I think the answer to what happens is the fucking all right movement is exactly what happened. <laughs> That's part of it. We can right? see, we can see one of the results. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and like, yeah, man, I don't know. Um, sorry. But, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Cause he's really good at that in his videos. He's really good at tying things together. He does that really well in the NFT video, um, in a sort of overarching a good a good uh bird's eye view of things but but still being able to get into the the weeds of of stuff yeah so but anyway yeah dan elson folding ideas everything he does is great good shit um everything ft signifier does is great (laughs) yeah everything khadijah and bobway does is great (laughs) everything's great it's great 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 some things are pretty great So, uh, all right, well, I guess we can get into the topic at hand. Speaking of things that are great, <laughs> let's talk about Peter Steele. <laughs> things that are green? Green. The green man? The green man, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, so this is going to be, this is like sort of, uh, it's going to be the, we'll call this the goth cast. Um, but it, w- it was just sort of, you know, to take a break from sort of like the nostalgia lane and sort of like, hey, what is, what are, what's an album you've been listening to a lot lately? From any time period, for whatever reason, and um, so the one that you, so the one for me is I threw out a typo negative October Rust, and then you, um, I picked Grave Babies, which was uh, 
oh god holographic violence right i had the other album on the brain for for a minute there holographic violence by grave babies pretty unknown band as far as i'm aware yeah i i all things considered sure uh, and um the the concept of a band being known or unknown in this day and age is so foreign <laughs> but it's something that was a it was a big thing when we were that's a good point growing up that's a good point i i to sort of to sort of um accentuate that i remember i don't know when this was it was a few years ago i think it was but um it was not too long after that movie brightburn came out that was the superhero kid yeah yeah okay. yeah that's like, the, like but it's a horror dark movie. one okay yeah <coughs> i don't think i saw that but yeah i know what but it is. uh my buddy jet like was texting me about like this new artist, Billie Eilish, and like how good she was, and she in the soundtrack for that movie. I think so. I think I think I think like the song "Bad Guys" in the closing credits or something. Oh wow, was that that new? That movie was that new? I think so. I I, I think that's where he heard it first. I okay. might be wrong, but he, I really I really like the first Billie Eilish album. It's really fucking good because it's great, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so he he was like, yeah, man. Like I he's like it's like this, but this, but this. I I man, I really think that. I really think that the kid's going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, th I think I really think this could catch on, man. This is really, really good. And then I went to Spotify and like took a screenshot of like her monthly list. Six million. And it views. was already <laughs> in the millions. And I like sent it to him. <coughs> he was like, "Oh well, fuck." Um, Behind the curve, man. But oh, that's good. That is like now everyone knows who Billie Eilish was, right? But someone could be the biggest artist to a certain demographic and no one else right. has any fucking idea yeah. who they are at all, which was not really true 20... It wasn't possible. 20 years ago. Really. Be because the way that you found out about anything was... Like, we were all watching the It was same the same things. way anyone else found out about anything. Right. I mean, with, you know, with rare exception, if you were, like, in an underground media circle of people who like knew about shit tape trading or... yeah exactly exactly <laughs> uh but 99 percent of people were not they were right. watching american idol or they were watching mtv or or at a bare minimum you were looking at the same magazine rack and maybe you weren't getting the one with gwen stefani on it and black eyed peas but you saw it yeah right and you knew that oh well that's where the pop music is yeah. or, or you whatever. heard the radio yeah 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 Which, yeah so um anyway though yeah uh the concept of a, of a known or unknown band is right that's moot point at this at this time that's uh, that's that's why we were talking about that so yeah grave babies typo negative and then we were we were thinking about doing two albums a piece which we had done before i think uh but we said well what if we just pick something we both had listened to right. and, and wanted to sort of weave weave that in as well and so, uh, i don't know yeah what is that wayne's world is it's no. in there, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I, I put forth this Le Discret. I think that's how I think it, maybe it's said. It's French. It's French. If you were going to say it all American, you'd say less discrets. Less discrets. Predators. Yeah, predators. Less discrets. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I think I introduced this you to this album you a did. few years back. You did. It was, uh, I want to say it was like the beginning of 2019. For some reason, I... That sounds right. The reason I remember that is because I was doing, when I was still living in an apartment with a roommate, I was doing a crossword puzzle, 
no, Jigsaw Puzzle. That's the one. And <laughs> and I just, for some reason, these, there's a confluence of things. There was this puzzle at that place at that time. I had just seen Parasite, so that was fresh in my mm. mind. And then there was this album, which like just kind of all happened at once. And I was like, man, this is some good <laughs> shit going on here <laughs> from all angles. Yeah, this album would be a good companion to Parasite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that was when that was. So, yeah. Anyway, we'll get to it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. So, uh, where do you want to start? Um, let's let's start with uh, Grave Babies, perhaps, because okay. you also sent me a video of a dude. Oh, of Anthony Fantano. Yeah. From, from the Needle Drop. The Needle Drop, which, uh, honestly, like whenever I see that dude pop up on my like recommends, I'm like fucking whatever, dude. I very much take that that approach to that dude. I'm just like, I don't want to fucking hear what you have to say. I I don't I don't hate him. And uh, but it's like so why? Because he 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 just reminds me of like Pitchfork, okay. In video form. So do you? It's fine. It's fine. But like, <coughs> I don't want to hear it. I think the reason I don't mind him is because he doesn't talk about much music that I already have a relationship with. Oh, so he's more like introducing you to things more often than not. R- r- right. Yeah. Like, and and so there's something interesting to me to hear him talk about like Kanye or something. Okay. Sure. Because I I love. I love the Kanye records that I've heard, but I've it's very much at a distance. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to Kanye's music the same way that I listen to, like I listen to it like he's already dead. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, um, <laughs> okay, like you know what I mean. Like I'm like, oh, this is music history, and this is so good. I mean, to a lot of people, he is dead. <laughs> so, uh, mm, um. I made that joke. It's a terrible joke. I made that joke the other day because so right now it's the real hot button with him is, is how abusive he's being towards Kim and like buying it. Like they divorced. And he's like buy a house across from the street and just harassment. And all really? Yeah. Oh, just God. crazy I haven't been keeping up. I haven't either. Nope. I don't care. I, I saw his Billie Eilish feud the other right, day. Yeah. It's just what the fuck, dude? He's like, I'm I, taking, I'm taking Kid Cudi off the album or whatever the fuck. Off, yeah. off Donda. That's already been released. I. What? Anyway. It makes me mad. It makes me mad because it's like, dude, you're 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 doing a disservice to bipolar people here. Um, like you're fucking it up for team bipolar. Um because you have all the resources to get help and to get better, but you know, fucking just do it, goddamn it. Um But at the same but it's like it's a double edged sword because it's like, okay, I can it's like, yeah, you're a crazy person. Or you're 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 a person who's having crazy moments. But you are, um, but you have the resources to make those moments so much more intense than than a normal person does, and so like just, uh, just shut the fuck up so I can enjoy your music. <coughs> Stop saying things. things. Um, uh. but 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 yeah, like so, um. Uh, Oh yeah, but I made the joke. I was like, I almost wish that he would just die so we could just print the legend and and like just in you know. I don't wish I don't wish that, but like acknowledging like oh that would that's what would happen if he did and that and you know he he can't hurt his legacy anymore if he's not here. Mm, yeah, I don't I don't I don't want anything bad to happen to him. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just I'm just talking yeah, right. shit. It's a just a stupid joke I made. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't vibe with Needle Drop. Uh, it's like I said, it's fine. Yeah, it's just I've watched a few of the things. And I'm just like, 
So you feel like your uh, opinions don't align it's, with him. It's very much I just don't vibe with his opinion. Okay. That's all that it is. Okay. He's got he's got his insight and that's cool. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So how did you feel about his review of this album? So conversely, conversely to what I just said, I can totally see where he's coming from and could almost agree with him if I had come at it from that angle. Were you a fan of the record they did before this? No, I found this one first. You found this one first. Yeah, so this is Holographic Violence. This is their second full album, Mm -hmm. full-length LP. And they had another one before this called Crushed. And I found this one first and then went back to that one. And I like them both. Okay. Uh, But they are – he points out how how they're different. And he's right. He's not wrong. Yeah. Um, But the way he describes it is like the first one hit him a certain way and he came to this one looking for more of that and did not find it. Right. And he's not wrong, because they're they're pretty different albums. Yeah, I I can understand that, and I I disagreed with most with with most of what he said. Yeah, so did I. Like I can see how he got there, uh, but I don't. I, it didn't I, bother me for sure. I didn't feel like the first record because he talked a lot about like it being lo-fi. It sounds like shit. I think is what he was trying to say. It like, just sounds like shitty guitar tone. To me, I mean, it sounds like over. It sounds like an overblown. It's like a, it sounds like a blown out speaker at times. It's mm. like kind of clipping and it's kind of shitty overall. Yeah, I, I guess that's what he was getting at. Yeah, maybe I just didn't listen to enough of it, but it just, I don't know. It, yeah, but yeah, I, I, it didn't quite feel like. Yeah, I kind of disagreed with the idea that oh, okay, well, this first one was this like lo-fi, sincere, risk-taking record, and blah blah blah. Um, right, and well, this one is just generic and it's not melodic and it doesn't have hooks and it's not catchy, but they were, if you're going to be more produced, then you should be more experimental because all those sounds are going to come through, blah, 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 right, blah, and, blah. and I was like, I, man, it's like, man, like, <coughs> I disagree with all this. I guess that's kind of what I mean. Like that is an insight that you can have, but it doesn't really mean much of anything. Like there's nothing that says that you should be, that you, that's a prescriptive action to take. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, to me, it just sounds like it just sounds like the first record focused on, or, you know, or crush, crush or crusher, crushed, crushed. I think um, maybe I'm one of these words. The one before holographic violence. Yes, that it just had like that fucking like indie noise rock guitar tone that was really that like just really a- eats up all the frequencies. It really does, and so. It's not even really a lo-fi recording to me. It's just a shitty. It's just, just a shitty recording. It's just a shitty guitar tone. It's, it's it's and it's not even really a shitty guitar tone. It's just that kind of guitar tone that eats up all the other subtleties. Right. You know, um, I mean, yeah, these are not shitty records by any means, or shitty produced, but like uh, Smash Pumpkins records, <coughs> like Melancholy. Mm. You know, like that guitar tone eats up all that mid-range so there's just so it's like you feel that music but you you're not gonna like you can't like pick out it's really difficult to pick out what the other instruments are doing and things like that yeah um definitely definitely and so you know but again if so it almost makes me wonder if the reason that because i love this record oh cool i I absolutely love okay Um, we we hadn't talked about this at all yet so (laughs) it almost makes me wonder if the reason that we vibe with it is if there's like an argument to be made about coming at things from a more metal perspective as opposed to a more punk perspective or maybe, something maybe, like that. Maybe. Um, because 
what I liked so much about this record, there were so many things I liked. But one of the things I liked a lot was that sort of like how much, um, how minimal the production was. Like you feels like you can really hear this space. Yeah. Um, it feels like there's a lot of air in the, you know, in, in the recording. It was like, yeah, that's all I need. I don't need to add any other layers. I don't need to fill up the entire frequency spectrum. Yeah, it, yeah. I think I see what you're saying. I it also though the things that they do add in there, it adds a lot. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because in some in some cases it feels almost like a wall of sound. It uh-huh. feels like just this wave of 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 distortion and low booming vocals and these weird like chants and shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess electronic drums. I didn't really even realize that they were all electronic drums. Yeah, all drum machine are. on that okay. motherfucker. Okay. You know. Um, but yeah, the, the, what they do use, it they get a lot out of it, and it takes up a lot of space. But yeah, to your point, it doesn't drown everything out like the first album does. Right, right. It and um, you know, there's probably like some audio. Like I'm not using that term air, like in an EQ sense. Because that is specifically referring to like the higher frequencies. Okay. Um, but like you know, it just like it feels like there's it feels like there's things that could fall through. The, you <laughs> it's know, porous. Yes, it's porous. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, whereas like that first that first album, like the sonically, it's like nothing's getting through there. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, but yeah, I I I I loved it. Um, so cool. Um, I could rattle off a whole bunch of things, uh, things that I liked about it, but overall, man, I just, I just love the way that the record made me feel to listen to. Um, and yeah, uh, there is. I, I think I've said a few times on these recordings, like one of the, one of the things that gets me about some of the music that I love, or that gets me to love certain music, is the vibe. Huge. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a huge vibe guy. What can I say? And this album, like when I heard it, it was it was weird in certain ways because it's very strange in some ways. But every every single one of them added to this vibe that this album carries. Right. And it's just, it's it's got an like an intense. Um, I haven't really thought of what to describe it as, but it's like, it feels like a goth sort of metal album right right without I don't, I don't like, know how to... right right yeah 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 that's a good point like it feels that way but it doesn't quite <coughs> like on paper i wouldn't say these guys play goth metal but hearing this album you're like that is fucking goth metal right it's like this makes me feel the same way yeah there like, you this go. makes me feel very similar to how like paradise lost makes me feel and shit like that but this is yeah. There's so many things that are different. <laughs> um yeah. Then and I guess like that is the other thing too. So th- 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 so here's like sort of some overarching um observations that I made. Mm-hmm. Um I said I, I really appreciate how straightforward yet unique, heartfelt and hook-laden each one of these songs are. Totally. Like each song is very unique. And it has its own identity, but it still it still feels all of it still it it 
it all still felt like it all of it needed to be said. Like whoever's writing these songs, like I, I wrote this because I had to write it. It has that feeling to me. Um, and for them all to have their different, it feels like they all have a different hook. And the hook isn't always a vocal melody line. Yeah. It often is, but it isn't always. Right. Um, there's a minimal quality that I dig as well. You can hear every element. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot. Da, 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 da. Um, and then this is something else that's interesting that I thought. <coughs> there's almost like a nostalgia for the 90s in these songs. Yeah. Like it's almost, it, it is almost, it's like this is to sort of 90s mainstream rock or industrial <coughs> metal as synthwave is to 80s stuff in a way. I can see that comparison. Because yeah. there's, you know, like the riffs that they use, the samples, the kind of groove, some of the vocal approaches. Like there's even, like in the song War, around like the 120 mark, there's even like a, a Lane Staley. <laughs> like there's one of those in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> there's some riffs that feel almost like they could have come off a Les Exorcisto. Or like an Owls and Chains. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's something I felt, I think, and did, but didn't really, uh, dig much into but that's totally correct um the the vocals on this album are so fucking weird and so, i i really like it so i looked up a live video of them of like yeah. them like live in a studio and he was i think using like a pitch shifter effect i would i would buy that do i can't tell when i'm listening to it do, are these tracks are those vocals like multi-tracked i'm um, gonna say yes and i'm gonna say they're shifted down Okay. Because I can't imagine anyone actually sounding like this at all times. Because it is very like it's like it's at the same time like a high uh like a like a yowl. Right. But also it's incredibly deep and low. Right, right. And those that's like doesn't seem very natural. I mean it, somebody could sound like that. Right, right. But looking if you just look look at a picture of these of these folks, yeah, yeah. like they don't really sound like they seem like they sound like that. <laughs> Uh, so I would buy it being just like a, a strictly stylistic choice done in production. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know for sure though. Right, right. And um, let's uh, but, see. But there, but there are like a lot of weird vocal uh, patterns and like affectations. And stuff. Uh -huh. I, I I think it's in uh, I can't remember which song it is, but it's like. The chorus is like, you said, hold away, run away. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What are you doing? But I kind of like it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something about it <coughs> Something about it works. I don't know. There was one of the songs, too, that, like, the, the harmonies and stuff, the way that they, the way that it was done almost gave me this similar, almost like the indie, like an indie folk vibe, like in a good way, like Fleet Foxes or something, but mm -hmm. are almost even Baroness, the way that Baroness uses vocals harmonies. and harmonies. Yeah. Uh, and um, there's a few like '80s drum machine sound, or like a few like <laughs> yes, <laughs> like from like Pretty Hate Machine. I, God, what a weird choice to make, because they, they just take the sample from the line that they were just saying, and they goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is very Pretty Hate Machine, yeah. Oh man, it's such a there's there are so many weird little quirky choices <laughs> like that that just like one-off things that they throw in a song right it's like why not but it, it somehow it all works together right 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 so there was this one um let me see if i can find it real quick 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this one, it has those those sounds on the beginning. Yeah. So Max heard this in the car. And he, like a siren or something. He was like, "What is what's that noise, Daddy? What is that noise, Daddy?" <laughs> I was like, "It's just the music, Daddy music." Yeah, sure. And he's like, "Okay." And then like the next, you know, and then like later on after the song's over, he's like, "Hey, Daddy, can we hear that the Daddy music again with the sound, <laughs> with the funny sound?" <laughs> so he got oh. he got a kick. He got a he got a kick out of. There's a sound coming out of the music place that, you know, for coming coming at me the way that music does, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound like music. Right. So okay. he got a kick out of that. Oh, that's funny. Novelty oh, of man. that. Um, so uh, another funny thing. So the song Punishment. So the drums on this pissed me off. Oh, yeah? At first. Yeah. Made me mad as fuck. Because <laughs> uh, <coughs> in the verse... The snare is um, the snare is on four, so it's like one, two, three, bow one, mm. bow one, uh -huh. and I had I wasn't listening to it super loud, and so I had that thing, where was where you know you're you're like I am not feeling this music in the right place, <laughs> and um. And I had to like turn it up, and I was like, "I was like, this is fucking stupid." That's how, that's how I know. I know how you don't have a fucking full time drummer. This is you stupid ass. But then, as I, I listen to, as I listen to, I'm like, "This is pretty fucking cool." <laughs> that's great. <coughs> and I, the, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, I'm hearing it. Like, yeah. yeah. And the way that they put the drum beat together in the six eight part in the intro is also really cool. There's like an accent on the two. Which is which is unique and and it, it it was just put together in a really really cool way. Yeah. Um, I wonder now that you say that. I wonder if that is something that is that sort of stems from them not being drummers, but having to have a drum track. And like, oh yeah. You know the the sorts of the sorts of decisions that a non drummer will make. Oh yeah. There's a whole there's a rich history of <laughs> of people do of like songwriters with drum machines or. Or, you know, just like a non-drummer sitting down at the drums and getting the track done for their, you know, like, you know, like Stevie Wonder or. Uh-huh. <coughs> and just the things that they end up doing. Right, right. Where they don't, they don't think like a drummer. Right. You know, um, because the way that a drummer thinks is a, a drummer thinks in terms of time, um, you know. One, two, three, four. like time and pulse, and and that's that's how a drummer thinks, and everything around that is, so, is sort of ornamentation around that and guiding things through there, but guitarists tend to think, uh, might think more melodically, mm -hmm. um, or more just more about like the riff, yeah, right. You know, and like that's it. Yeah. That's all that's going on. That's what makes like Lars's drumming so interesting, because he doesn't think like a drummer. He thinks like a. He almost thinks more like a guitarist who plays the drums. The riff is all he's fucking listening to. Hmm. That's all he cares about. And so everything he plays on the drums is just different ways of of moving in and out of the riff. That's why his drumming is so interesting. Huh. And why it add why it's so like 
you know, like I'm making this like list of, 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 you know, songs I want to cover and I, I, and it's like, I don't want to fucking play battery. Like it's, <laughs> it's too hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> songs ridiculous. In a, you know, and I'm like, yeah, Nile, I'll play Nile instead. Um, <laughs> but not battery, you know, uh, but just, was Lars a guitarist? Do you, do no, you know not at all. Okay. Not at all, but that's his concept. That's just how he thinks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's not thinking like one, two, three, four, and one, and uh, two, three, four, and, 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 and one, hmm. two, three, four, five, six, five. He's not thinking like that. Like, right. He's just he's just thinking the riff, you know? Um, hmm. And so I think it makes for, it, it's frustrating. You get a lot of flack. You get a lot of pushback from drummers because it's really difficult to think differently um, and approach right. your approach. And that's the thing is like a fucking guitarist can like sit down and can like do good drums for a fucking minute. They can't like play the whole band set and make the whole thing fucking work, but yeah. they can play a cool drum part. And and so it's so fucking frustrating as a drummer to try to, you know, to like be expected to assimilate all that and then to make it work too. Right. So I feel like I've probably done that in some of the like electronic music that I've written. Cause I, I definitely do not know how to think like a drummer and do not do that. Right. And I definitely have approached some of the like percussive elements in a melodic way. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Right. 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 Which is, <coughs> It's only ever really <clears throat> frustrating, like when it comes to working with other musicians or working with guitarists and whatnot. It's only ever really, really frustrating whenever they are, you know, how to say it. Like when they're looking at their at their like little, you know, like their four chord song that they wrote and you know maybe a track that they programmed a drum track they programmed it for and they're looking at it like it's a fucking classical piece of music and like every part everything that they put in every place that they put it this has, is how it must be done yeah has has utmost significance and <laughs> right and and was made with the ut you know has like the best you know and it's like, let me, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I don't. So, I mean, to push back on that a little bit, I think that's just because how, <coughs> the reason I would write a drum track the way that I would, a percussive track for like one of my electronic tunes or whatever, is because I want it to sound the way that it does the way that I wrote it. Yeah, and it's, if that's how you want it to sound, you don't need me. Exactly. Like, that. there's a weird, yeah, there's a weird trade-off there. Like, your job isn't to come in and play the thing in your mind. That's not what a drummer does. A drummer comes in and has a, has a feel and lays the time down, right? Like, I, I come in to make the music work. Yeah. Whereas what, what somebody writing something from melodic, it doesn't have to just be melodic, but from my experience, a melodic perspective is like, you want the thing to sound like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like playing a cover song and playing the exact right notes versus a general like a, a, an approximation. 
versus getting the vibe something that works yeah in, in any context right yeah. right whereas like as a drummer my i feel like my job is to come in <clears throat> look at the song as a whole look at the overall story look at the overall dynamic story of the song and and fill in all those gaps and make all those transitions smooth and and to sort of guide the song so that it hits all the places and all the emotional notes and dynamic notes that it needs to hit. You know, how loud does this, you know, how intense is this bridge compared to the first verse and how different and what thread can I use to tie all of it together? Mm -hmm. So on and so forth. And, but when someone, <clears throat> so in a hypothetical bad session, like, what I'm talking about would be someone who has programmed the drums, understands that it that it isn't quite working, mm -hmm. doesn't know what it needs to make it work, wants me to put drums on it, but doesn't want me to do what I think it needs to make it work. Right. It's like a situation where they don't know what they want, but they know what they don't want. They they don't know like, what they want. Like whatever you do, it's just like no, I don't. That's not quite right. Yeah. But like, well, what do you want me to do? Well, not that. <laughs> yeah. Something right. else. Yeah. And, and so, but they're also like they. I mean, I get it because they've spent a lot of time with just this thing, and they're used to hearing it just this one way. Yeah. And now they're just gonna let some ramshackle asshole like throw all these fucking <laughs> drums these fucking loud, stupid, barely instrument fucking things all over their fucking pristine art. You know? <coughs> yeah. And so I get, like, the conflict, or I get, like, why that would be challenging. But at the same time, is this, like, uh, you know, you called me, man. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know? Really? Like, if you don't want real drums, that's fine. Um, but what I thought was interesting, so to bring it back right. to Grave Babies, the live footage I saw was, like, just a regular-ass drummer doing regular-ass drummer shit. Huh. Cool. Like, he's not even trying. He's not even trying to like replicate the uh, the, ba the 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 patterns. You know what I mean? He's, huh. he's just playing on a regular fucking drum kit, just doing regular ass fucking drummer shit. It sounds great. It still works. It's still like the same songs. And I, I honestly, I feel like it's like that's that's like a good example because if you if you as a drummer were to like just play like. Cause it, you know, like with a band on stage, I mean, that might work if the rest of your band is badass <laughs> and the rest of your band can keep really good fucking time. But all this, you know, all that hi-hat shit, all that stuff you do in between, so much of that is to just like make sure that keep everything's together. It's yeah. Cohesion. Yeah. Like that's so much of what the fucking drummer's job is. That's you true. Know? Yeah. So. I'll have to go find footage of that. Then that sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> it's, it's good. Hadn't found any yet. Um, but yeah, okay. So a few questions for you about this record. Yeah. Um, how did you hear about this record? Uh, I was recommended it from a friend, and it was like, here's here's something that's cool. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And sure enough, did, I liked it quite a bit. Were you like immediately into it? Did it take a lot to grow on you? No, it was like the first listen. First listen, just, it was there. You're yeah. fucking on and on, and you're like, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, one of the one of the complaints that, that uh, Fantano had about 
this was like they're just doing this like droning repeating thing in the song on and on I'm like that's the fucking point it's called on and on and they're droning and it's the, that's the kind of band this is i mean how fucking drone can you get in a song that's like less than four minutes long <laughs> yeah also that yeah it's it's yeah, still it's, oh it's four and a half minutes okay i guess okay. compared to their first it's basically record, an epic then <laughs> i guess compared to their first record maybe that's a long song. maybe that's okay anyway um and so what do you like about it i mean we've kind of already touched on this but yeah we any, already is yeah. there anything that we didn't not really it's just, it's the it's the weirdness but it all works because i got to thinking about like that whenever i think about this album i'm like it's a it's a weird album because it's kind of a strange album in a lot of ways yeah it's specifically like the vocals and some of the choices they made around like some of the sonic aspects of it mm-hmm. um and I was like, well, let me think about like some of the other weird stuff I like. Like Primus comes to mind. Mm. Uh, but this has... Uh, I don't know where I was going with that exactly. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the sort of weirdness and the, the this overall vibe. Like the feel that it gives you of being that, <laughs> that sort of uh, goth feel. Right. But but also being something different. Gotcha. So um, I feel like the thing that is – I can't really put Le Discret in, in with these two records. In with – No. In with Grave Babies and, and October Rust. But there is, there is something common to me, to both of these, and it's, and it's there's sort of a, a, a masculine sadness. Hmm. Is is how I would describe it. That was. Okay. I'll talk more about that. I'm sure when we talk about the typo record. But okay. that was something that was very Im- important to me mm-hmm. um, about about this record and how I think it functioned. How about October Rust and how it functioned for me? But I think that like that is maybe that is like the emotional node that it's touching. That is, you know, because it's sad. <coughs> There's a longing to it. Mm-hmm. There's a, but it's not, it's not, um, it's still, with Grave Babies, it's still sort of obtuse and distant enough to, to sort of not be terribly vulnerable, I guess, or to not be, that might not be the or right It's word. not being as, like, forthcoming with their yes with their vulnerabilities yeah in the grave babies record yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. it's i can see that it's um and so i don't know exactly what elements that you can do about it to make it make that sadness feel masculine right but i know what it isn't and what it isn't is like dashboard confessional which i like you know i i like i like some of their records but <coughs> There's something very different about someone crooning, you know, on and on and, you know, and putting this weird production. There's something very different about that than someone with their, like, acoustic guitar, you know, singing in an emo voice about, like, your hair is everywhere kind of thing, you know. And, like, just uh-huh. just screaming so, like, screaming so intensely and so literally about, like, a breakup. You know, and maybe 
whenever you're full of a sufficient amount of masculine bullshit, you think that you're too good to be upset over something that is that direct. And you need to balloon it up into an existential crisis, <laughs> perhaps. <coughs> you're, you're too proud to just say, like, no, man, she broke up with me and I'm really sad. Like, you're like, no, 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 no. I'm questioning the nature of existence and the futility of war. <laughs> so, I, question, though. Is there – what specific aspects of the Grave Babies album strike you as, like, masculine specifically? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, nothing, nothing like just sort of an well, overall. I mean, like, there's elements in there that track is like metal, right? Yeah. Um, okay. There's a certain obtuseness to it. There's a certain like invulnerability to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's a guy singing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're all guys. I don't really actually know. I think there's a girl keyboard player. Okay. <coughs> I've seen one picture of like some of them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I don't right. know for sure. It's like cropped out. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, and I, I don't. I. I just like. Wait, it, was it lyrical content at all? Because I sure. haven't read any of the lyrics. I tried songs. to find the lyrics. And I couldn't. Really, I not even like of, genius or anything. No, I could. I was kind of maybe I didn't no do shit. a good do a good job, but I because that's all I want to do. I wanted to. But listening to them, it's like, oh, yeah, this is sad shit. Sure, yeah. <coughs> uh, you, yeah, that's a feeling you can get from just hearing the album. Right. And I guess, like, maybe the masculine aspect of it. Let me try to think this through. Um, I'm not quite as lucid as I normally am because the most, <laughs> the, the, the primary thought that's in the front of my head is, like, don't cough directly in this fucking microphone. That's the main thing. That's all I'm thinking right now. Yeah, you can edit it in post. Um <laughs> but I think that the so so the masculine aspects of it I guess that can mean different things in different situations yeah I don't have a great preconceived notion of what I'm asking about here I'm just like yeah no it's 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 a good prodding right to figure out what it because for me to figure out what exactly I mean and I think that because I also um, don't think you're—I don't think you're wrong. I think that I think in the grave babies, what's masculine about it is its um, hidden nature. Is its is the okay? I'm gonna tell you what I'm feeling with these. This is it with these vocals, but they're gonna sound fucking weird. They're gonna be pitch shifted and they're gonna be low in the mix. Mm -hmm. So you're not. At, it's gonna be kind of difficult to hear what I'm actually saying. I'm not just going to – I'm not going to just I, – I, I can't just come out and say, like, I'm sad and your hair is everywhere. Right. Bleeding infidelities, something, something, whatever. You know, um, not making fun of you, Chris Caraba. I really love some of your records. But just as an example, on one side of the spectrum of, like, a dude who's just – gutsy and courageous enough to be like, this is exactly how I feel. This is exactly what I'm upset about. Yeah. And how that stands in contrast to um, the way that men express their emotions in other forms of music or songwriters. I mean, not to be a man, but songwriters, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that when I say masculine in for the great babies, that's what I mean is it's, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you're, you're going to like sort of <coughs> put a, 
<clears throat> say, like, a, like drape something over this. You're going to, like, put, yes. a, put a sheath over it. Well, th- well, think about All Severed, right? Like, it, you know, like the last All Severed record we did, I was trying to be as vulnerable as I could. But in order for me to do that, we had to put it inside of this crazy fucking complicated music that's constantly changing time. So you're trying to scream my fucking head off. Right, right. Because I, I, I couldn't just say, like, I am incredibly sad and anxious and upset every day, and I feel the walls closing in on me all the time. And it hurts so bad, and I'm so scared that sometimes I'd just rather die. Right. Like, <clears throat> I didn't know how to, like... Right. I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I and, and I and I was too caught up in needing to and needing to track as masculine. Like I, it's like, come fucking watch me beat the shit out of these drums and screaming in this microphone and tell me I'm not a fucking man. Right. Like I might I might be lonely. I might you know I might be crazy. Um. I might I might kill myself later. But I'm a fucking man. You, know? you can't listen to this music and and say that I'm not a fucking yeah. And and you know, right. look at how angry I am. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so, but I, I think that that is there's a certain amount of detachment I think in music or a certain amount of barriers that are going to what 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 allow something to track as masculine to me in this sort of framework that I'm using. Gotcha. Um. Okay, cool. Yeah, I I hadn't uh, I, don't, I guess I hadn't engaged with it on that on that exact level uh, necessarily, but uh, the thing that I think that most, if I had asked ten other people that question, I am willing to bet that what eight of them would have said was, "Well, the vocals sound very deep." Oh, sure. And and one of the sure. one of the things about this album that like kills me in a weird way is that it it sounds like they've done that they have done that purposefully. That's for sure. Yeah. Because it's very obvious that they're doing that purposefully. But it almost sounds like they're doing that and it it becomes farce. Mm. It almost sounds like it's theater. And mm. like I guess it's music. I guess at a certain point. No, I I understand what you mean different. by that word theater. Like it, it's it, theatrical. Yeah, it almost yeah. becomes uh, satirical or like almost like a. It's it almost like he's he's playing a character at some point. Right, right, right. Almost uh, it becomes it becomes sort of like so out there because that's a big you know in metal in general that's like a big problem is it's like how do you how like how do you negotiate the you know i guess the kind of like the kayfabe of it right yeah exactly of <coughs> cuz you don't cuz you don't want to be the guy that looks like you're pretending to be crazy on stage you don't want to be <clears throat> david dreaming you don't want to be <laughs> that guy um <sighs> like you either you either need to like channel 1995 Jonathan Davis. <laughs> right. Um, you know, or you need to be like really detached, you know? <clears throat> I'm not getting emotional. I'm just trying to hold that cough. Yeah, well. Yeah. Really detached. <laughs> um, you know, like I think about like like death metal stage presence. Like it's very, mm-hmm. it's very stoic. You know, I mean, yeah, there's lots of headbanging and whatnot, but it's very stoic. Um Yeah. As opposed to, you know, but, but yeah, like, 
you what you're saying about the vocals reminds me of of like a band that had way too much stage presence perhaps mm -hmm. like they come yeah. out and they're doing backflips and they're doing this and they're jumping off of everything and the song hasn't even started yet <laughs> okay okay right <laughs> and it's like oh this does the music isn't making you do this that you just want to be perceived a certain way mm. you know right uh okay yeah yeah uh for for me the thing like it, that's how that's how the vocals on here strike me but that's kind of the only thing on here that strikes me that way mm. and i like it in the context of this album like i think they just do a weird thing and it really works i loved it so yeah i'm, I'm way into it uh, yeah same man quick tangent though please speaking about like bands being on stage and being stoic and not really engaging sort of with their audience in mm -hmm. a way one of the, to me one of the prototypical examples of that has always been tool yeah they, they stand there in their places and they stand back manners in the back of the stage in the dark right. and they play their songs and that's it they've gone on tours since like what a couple months a mm -hmm. month or so ago i think i the, think so. they're back out on tour uh i think it's the first tour since fear inoculum came out because uh, that came out right at the beginning of the pandemic or right during or something i forget what mm -hmm. exactly um and what's weird now because their last album came out in 06 right it was ten thousand days and now everybody has phones and shit to record on and back in the day they were absolutely a band you cannot find live footage of them much at all mm -hmm. from what from any of their previous tours like it's very very rare that you find especially good live footage mm -hmm. you can find a show you can find a video of the entire show of damn near all of their shows from this tour <laughs> And for some reason, I started getting recommended them uh, recently. And mm -hmm. it's really interesting to watch them not be that way anymore to a certain extent. Like, they, they're, they like, engaging a bit more with the audience and each other. Interesting. And you watch, like, Justin Chancellor, the bass player. He's just, like, up there grooving and, like, pointing, like, talking to people, like, interact it's really weird to watch them do that yeah uh, and Maynard still does his like back of the stage thing but he's not like in the dark necessarily anymore mm -hmm. and he's just doing his thing and they uh did you did you like fear inoculum much of, did you, I, I listened to it like like probably twice at your behest and, okay. and I, I enjoyed it okay i enjoyed it i i didn't okay you haven't listened to it very much is what i was gonna get at. no okay i i absolutely love that album uh, there's a, there's a track later on in it called Culling Voices and it's it starts out as a sort of softer thing and it doesn't get too too much crazier than that. But a couple of shows that I've seen of them on this tour, they all like the lights come up and they all sit in the middle of the stage, and Danny is playing a guitar. What the fuck? Even and Maynard's just sitting there next to them, like kneeling down, doing his vocals during this. And it's such a weird fucking thing to see. That's so cool. Because that's exactly the opposite of what you think of when you think of Tool's live show. Because it's exactly that death metal, like, stoicism. It's it's, it's like, we're here, but you just, you be there, and we're going to do our thing, and then we're going to leave. <clears throat> Is what it was every time I've... Oh, yeah. Well, they, they almost have, I mean, even less so than, than death metal, because there's a lot of audience engagement with death metal. 
with death metal bands, but um, you know, Tool was almost almost like a almost like a classical concert. Yeah, in a sense of like we I, like we are here to to administer. We're here to administer this music, <laughs> right? Um, we're not playing. Children play. <laughs> I'm not playing for you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But, and so, but yeah, in that in that vein, it's it's been fascinating to see all, all these concerts, and uh, it's it's just really cool. That's awesome. They, they fuck up from time to time, and it's like, oh man, I fucked up. It's yeah. Just, it's funny. It's cool. Right. That that's cool. That it reminds me of um, the first band that I saw do it was Foo Fighters, and then later I saw Rammstein do a similar version of it in a in an arena show like Toyota Center where like in the middle of the concert you know like a bridge drops down or whatever and they go out to a small stage sort of behind the soundboard oh okay um, wow and do and like they're all on top of each other like they're kind of playing for the people back there yeah oh yeah, that's yeah, fucking yeah. awesome and they they're all like well, it was different. It was, you know, it's done two different ways, but but similar vibe. You know, like the Rammstein stage was like, I mean, it was fucking super tiny out there. And so they're all on top of each other. Well, plus there's like nine of them or, or whatever. Is there one I guess so, yeah. That's true. And it's just like a real simple drum kit, you know, and they would do like, they did like a few songs there. They just, you know, and it was really fucking cool. But the first band I saw do it was the Foo Fighters, you know, in like 2008. Saw them at uh, Toyota Center, and they came out. You know, like they had like this long walkway, right? That went out, and then, um, excuse me, and then yeah, like in the middle of the show or two thirds in, then like a stage drops from the top. You know, like a small stage drops from the top that's like behind the soundboard, and they walk out there and they do like a short, like thirty, like a, like an acoustic set. Oh, that's so like cool. a thirty-minute acoustic set. That's such a cool idea. It was. I've never seen that. So amazing, um, and uh, but yeah, like what you're saying about, like I, that's just such a cool thing. It's yeah. just such a cool vibe. Like we're gonna mix this shit up, right? Like we're gonna, you know, because when you think about like, <coughs> these are things that I always wanted to play with, and I never have, I haven't quite had the medium to figure out ways to do it. Um, but we all sort of like the, no, the drums are there and the guitars are there and this is how this mm -hmm. has to go. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, right. You know, like there's, I remember reading in college about like, you know, like Sun Ra, like, you know, a, a free jazz, you know, originator. It might, might not have been him, might have been someone else, but they would have like different performers like spaced out throughout the fucking venue. So like in the middle in the middle of a song, like a dude in the corner would pull out his fucking saxophone <laughs> and start ripping, but the but it's coming from the back of the club, you know, right? Or coming from the side, or coming from you know what I mean? And it's we think of these things as being well, it has to be this way, and it doesn't, and you know, so like I always like it when you whenever whatever the stage setup is, if the drums like aren't dead fucking center. Mm -hmm. Like put that shit off to the side, you know. Put it somewhere else. Just, right. Just be fucking different. Yeah. <coughs> uh, cool. But uh, yeah. Nice. I'm. I'm. That, that man. Yeah. I. I. I liked that record. I liked listening to it. It. Um. It's long. 
It's an hour and a half sure, long. Yeah, yeah. It, it it takes a lot to get into. Like it. I mean, it, I kind of felt the same way about listening to it. It was like, yeah, like this will be a good thing for people who listen to Tool and don't listen to like Indian music, also. <laughs> like you know, but if you like also listen to ragas and shit, you might not need this. <laughs> Well, I don't listen to ragas, I guess. So maybe I need this. Yeah, I, I mean, it was very good. I really enjoyed listening to it. It's one of my favorite albums in a long time. That's so awesome. I really like it a lot. That's awesome. Nothing makes me happier than for someone who is like, yeah, man, my my favorite my favorite <laughs> Nile record is the last fucking one that came out. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because how many bands can you say that about, really? Like, very few. You, right, yeah. Like, maybe it's not your favorite, right? But but just did you, did you just fucking... That, that I, whenever I run into someone who says that, I feel like I'm going to be friends with you because you're not an asshole that's attached to your past. <laughs> right. You know. Sure. You're not, you don't get mad whenever, like, oh, this is made me feel the way that, that this other band stuff made me feel when I was 13. Motherfucker. Um, yeah. So. <coughs> no, I actually had a really weird random conversation so i bought a punching bag and i drove up to spring to get it and i ended up talking with this dude for like fucking 45 minutes because i somehow whatever we ended up somehow music got brought up and so it turns out he's like a metalhead too he's like fucking in his 50s uh-huh you know and and he's like oh i've been listening to testament since you know 1984 and stuff like that. And Lamb of God is the best. And so and he's like, I went and saw Tool a few nights ago. And, oh, they were so good. <laughs> and so we had, like, this great – and it was just so cool to talk to, like, a really open-minded 50-year-old that was like, you know, they played some of their newer, like, more out-there stuff, which is cool. <laughs> you know? But they also played this. They also played that. and right. It was a great show. Right. Um, and then, and then to just like talk about how amazing Lamb of God was, like he just talked about how amazing Lamb of God was for like ten minutes. Nice. Um, I was like, shit, I haven't listened to Lamb of God in a while, and I went and listened. To it. I was like, God damn, yeah, fucking Lamb of God is so good. He was right. <laughs> I forgot how good Lamb of God was. God, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going back and and listening to a little bit of that, and um, I don't think that Chris Adler. Just because Chris Adler didn't do blast beats, I don't think that he quite gets the credit that he deserves. Because um, that motherfucker raised the bar. <laughs> Seriously, raised the fucking bar. Um, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not even a drummer, and I will. I will agree with that statement. Man, I. I I'm not gonna say anything. I don't know. I think it's because he didn't do blast beats to a certain extent that he's like. That his drumming on those albums is so incredible, because he does so much. I I guess like what I mean is that I think that that's why, like like if you do like a, a temperature check, like right now metal you know like who's who's like, like the most like most influential goats. metal yeah or like who's the most metal most influential metal drummers the past twenty years I don't think that I don't think that Chris Adler is going to be where he should. Mm, mm, mm. Because he didn't really do blast beats, hmm. um, you know. But like Mario from Gojira will be there. Joey will be there. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Inferno from Behemoth, George Colias, you know, like those guys will be in there. Um, but hmm. it, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, whatever. That's a whole other topic. But goddamn, Chris Adler's so fucking good. Yeah. Um. All right, I guess we should talk about typo negative. Well, we should uh, talk about typo negative. Yeah, we yeah we should. Yeah, man. Here we are. This is probably going to be the the meat of it. So you you picked October Rust. <laughs> October Rust. October Rust. It's our new record. October Rust. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I I have so much to say, I don't know where to start, so I'm just going to kind of let you you guide this. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if that's such a good idea, because <coughs> I don't have nearly the history or, or sort of uh, anything okay. with this album. I, uh, yeah, I have very little history with Typo Negative uh-huh. on the whole. But they're always a band that I've known about. Like, I heard them back in the 90s. Right. When we were, like, getting into metal and stuff, and they were always there. Right. Uh, but it was always a thing that sounded like it wasn't quite what it, – it, it never sounded like the stuff that I was into quite. Yeah. But it was always like, that sounds pretty cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, the, the first time I really got into one of their tracks was when you bought uh, – Megadeth's Risk. It came with a bonus disc. Oh no. Of all this other it was, it was like 25 songs. And I found a lot of bands through that disc. Really? Yeah. I remember those sample disc days, man. Yeah. Those it, were good days. There was a ton of shit on there. It was really cool. But one of the songs was Creepy Green Light from World oh, Falls Down. Coming Down. World Coming Down, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh and like the I specifically remember, like, I like the song, the straight up, but I remember in the context of that album, that, that sampler pack specifically, like, the production on that song was, like, miles beyond anything else. Mm. And that, that's one of the things about Typo Negative that I have always adored. Very unique is production. the production and, like, just the, the tone. It's amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah, so I think... I, f- I, f- I f- thank God I took good notes because I'm kind of on this weird autopilot right now. <laughs> um, we actually talked about this a few a few episodes ago because I had discovered I'd been listening to it a lot and I had discovered that all the drums on here were programmed. Yes, and it blew my fucking mind. Yeah, <coughs> seems to be one of the themes of the albums today program drums <laughs> yeah, right right there are some recorded drums on the led mm-hmm. album but not all not all no there's like maybe three tracks i think that have real drums but okay so but yeah this is this is this is what i wrote down about october Rust. is like this record is so ingrained in my experience that it's hard for me to see it from the outside in any way mm. um like i just I just accepted this as is. And and I think I think that October Rust came out in 96. Mm-hmm. Um Bloody Kisses I think came out in 93. And so uh, Bloody Kisses was the first gold record on Roadrunner, I believe. Wow. So Typo Negative was the first really big moneymaker band on Roadrunner. 
and there were so many bands that we were fans of that were on Roadrunner, we were going to also be exposed to Typo Negative. Mm -hmm. There's no way around it, right? <coughs> and so, you know, I bought I bought this stuff because it was like, oh man, it's in the fucking magazines and da 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 da. And and Bloody Kisses is amazing, incredible. It's one of the best records ever fucking made. Um, that and green tint on that album is really very, something. It's it? very important, right? <laughs> Took a long time. And so, you know, there was this. Um, there was this. I sent you a revolver video that was like thirteen things or ten things you didn't know about Bloody Kisses, and they they, they yeah. hit something really important. I think about typo negative right out of the gate, which was they talk about like this, like don't mistake a lack of talent for genius, and then you like open it up. And then somewhere in here is this, like, you know, this record is for those who have, you know, loved and had their heart unesthetically. Yeah, this entire opus is respectfully dedicated to all those who have loved unconditionally only to have their hearts unesthetically ripped out. Base not your joy upon the deeds of others, for what is given can be taken away. No hope equal no fear. Peter. And so... And he said something that like really clicked in that video. And he said, equal parts, Edgar Allan Poe and Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and how did, I don't even remember that quote. How did I miss that? <laughs> and so like the first track on here on, on Bloody Kisses is like, it's called Machine Screw. And it's like, you know. Oh, is this is a girl having sex. You know what I mean? And so, like, if you hear this when you're 12, this would be like, oh, well, this band is clearly the coolest band that's ever fucking existed. Um, and then, like, track four is Faye Ray come out and play. Faye Ray was who played, who was in, you know, the actress in the original King Kong movie. So if you're a fucking nerd like me, you're going to be like, okay, <laughs> clearly this is the coolest, the coolest guy. Clearly someone made this for me. For me, exactly for me. Um, but, but yeah, so I got the, I got this because it was just in the, in the water. Right. And then October Rust came out and it was the new typo. Well, I guess I got to get it. Right. Yeah. And I got it and I listened to it and I just accepted it as is. And then go back and listen to it like with critical ears. So for me, this is an album that <coughs> I can listen to anytime. All the time, on repeat. You can start it at any, sp drop that needle in any place. I don't care. Um, I'm, I'm, I, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so going back and listening to it with this week with uh, some critical ears, it was like, this is a goddamn weird fucking record. This is so weird. This yeah. is such a weird, weird, weird fucking album. And, but as a kid, because I heard it when I was so young that I just accepted it as is. And I was yeah. like, yeah, well, clearly you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and so I think that, um, but I think that what drew me to it, why it held such an, why it continued to hold such a place for me, um, why it found a spot and stay, because there were lots of records I got that I listened to and maybe even liked at the time, but they didn't stay with me for 25 years. Right. Um, but I know initially this one probably really found its hooks because this was sad 
man music. Yes. Um, if you look that up in the dictionary, <laughs> you will see Peter Steele's <laughs> indifferent face. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that was because I was a very sad person. I was a very sad young man, but I also had all this baggage where I really, really needed to be seen as a man also. So I needed records. like I needed a record like this because, and it's interesting. I didn't really think about it until what you said earlier about like the vocals and grave babies being low, but uh, listen to Peter still sing and lo- look at him. No, look at that fucking dude. No one's bigger and no one's lower. Like say that dude's not a man. And what's interesting is it's, you know what I mean? Because the lyrics on here are so vulnerable. Yeah. Like, Almost to a fault. Like, almost it's like, yeah, because that is what people, that is what stupid guys actually think. It's almost farcical. But we're too afraid, but most people are too afraid to say it. But that is, you know, like, um, what was it? What was it? Um, Be My Druidus? Mm-hmm. The, uh... Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk about that one a little bit. <laughs> So my note about Be My Druidist was, how about a fucking bass line to carry a whole damn song? That was the first thing I wrote. Great bass line. Um, so the lyric I'm going to talk about, you probably. I'll do anything yeah. to make you come. That's the one. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So uh, what I wrote down here was, I suppose we have to talk about that lyric. <laughs> uh-huh. Boy, that just, yeah, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> oh, are we gonna talk about my girlfriend's girlfriend now? Oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, he just likes lesbians. So says the revolver video. So this, like this line, I'm gonna lean into this. <clears throat> this, I'll do anything to make you come. Okay, okay. I'm gonna right. lean into this. Um, so it reminds me of like fragile, raw, vulnerable, unhealthy masculinity. Because a, another aspect of masculinity is like control, right? Okay, I'm fixing to go off in the weeds, trigger warning. Trigger, trigger warning, okay? Um, it's, it's kind of an inverse of how some idiot men see sexual assault okay i heard someone told me this story once about uh, being like in this uh you know i don't know whatever you call it like a gathering of Taoist students whatever the name of that is where you're studying Taoism and you have like a Taoist guy who's leading it okay and a flock yeah yeah so somewhere between like a sermon and a therapy session i guess okay Right, right. And so this girl was talking about being sexually assaulted. And the... Out loud to the people there. Yes. Okay. Like, as as in, like, a... Right. A group thing, right? Right. And and and, and talks about this to the, the you know, the guy, the, 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 the priest or the leader or the whatever, mm-hmm. the Tao distributor, the Tao administrator. <coughs> and, um... So sorry, I said it. Trigger warning. 
Um, and he says, uh, well, did you come? This guy asked her that. And, and the person who was telling me this, like told it to me like with a chuckle and told it to me with like, you know, as, as, as like, you know, like a way to like change her story, you know, like, it's like, no man, like her story was that she didn't consent to something. And so, <laughs> what, why would you want to change the story? Because you're an asshole. It was the story. <laughs> yeah, because you're an asshole and you don't think women have a right to tell their own fucking stories. What? Um, and so, but that is a good example of the kind of, uh, you know, bullshit, sexist bullshit you see like run, you know, like that, that, that comes up in those kind of, in these kind of conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Um you know, where you see it in terms of like the legislation of like politicians who will say things of like, well, you know, if you're not enjoying it, then you won't get pregnant. Like that kind of shit. Um, I've never heard that one before. Oh, yeah, dude. Like your body has ways of shutting it down, of shutting things down. For real. Okay. I'm not surprised. Yeah, to be yeah, clear, yeah. but yeah, I mean, this is never encountered that specific. Yeah, it's not like a talking point, but it's things that. Elected officials have said, I don't, oh, yeah, I don't know I, which one, but I don't, I, yeah, 100% believe that. But, excuse me, so sorry. Mm. But so like, but what that's implying, right, is it's implying that regardless of if you consented or not, if you, in, if your body enjoyed it on any level, then you really wanted it. And I, and, 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 and that person did you a favor. Right, right. That's the implication there. And so the inverse of that, right, or the opposite of that is that so if 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 someone receives pleasure, then it was an assault. So the inverse of that, right, is if someone doesn't receive pleasure, then it was assault. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so that's where that kind of insecurity that like I'll do anything, be, you know, because huh. I have to function as a good lover to you, or I'm not a fucking man. Okay, you know I, and so it's it's uh, to me it exposes, you know, Peter Steele and his like fucking massive vulnerability is like, you know, oh, I'm just gonna fucking say this. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think to me, that's what that line like points at is it points at, um, you know, like an unha an unhealthy attachment of your being to your sexual performance. Right. And that can be wrapped up in in terms of masculinity and what it is to be a man and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Like as if, as if like having sex with someone is just another opportunity to perform, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and you'll see like, you know, like that's, you'll see like that kind of stuff like floating around and like, um, I mean, I think you're probably right. I think I would much, I would much sooner see it that way than, I think the way that you could take it on its face if you just read the lyrics and didn't hear it in the song, mm -hmm. which is just like, oh, you want to sound like a badass. Mm. 
right it's right. it's it's a uh, uh, yeah because what's feel, the word brag, like, it doesn't feel like braggadocious there you go perfect that's what i was looking you for you know it doesn't yeah it doesn't feel like there's not swagger to it right you it's, know it's very like i'll do anything like, almost scared and like like oh god i have to do this right that's that's the tone he goes for in that reading right 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 and um and, and again like i'm not i'm not saying that i i'm saying that peter Steele is a master at at articulating vulnerable masculinity mm-hmm. is what i am saying i'm not i'm not saying that like peter Steele's like thinking shitty shit or whatever right you know, that's exactly what um, That's what I thought you were saying. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Just to make that clear. But right. but then here's the other thing, right? Because of how like consistent the duality of typo is, because also what's another part of masculinity? It's indifference. It's distance. It's all this. And because of that Beavis and Butthead humor that they consistently throw throughout, it could just be like, this could also just be dismissed as like boyish sensationalism. Sure. Yeah. And that's, and I feel like that's kind of part of the mastery of their presentation is that there's enough, like, you know, fart jokes and whatnot, like, spread throughout how they present that they can say some very real and intense stuff. And it's, and, and it gets through. Um, it gets through, I guess, to the people it's going to get through to, but everyone else is like, oh, he said, come. Um, but he's, I feel like he's, it's a really intense, vulnerable expression. Yeah. It, it seems like with these guys specifically, it seems like the majority of what they're putting out there is that sincerity. Yeah. And you can kind of tell when it isn't that. Whereas like, you know, if you mix, cause those are sort of two polar opposite Things that you're going for the Beavis and Butthead and the what was the other thing? Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. Like those are the two. Like there's very very opposite uh, expressions, mm-hmm. and you can see a situation in which people could confuse one for the other if you don't do it right. Right. But it seems to me that the way that they do it is very. It's very very clear what you're getting. It's always right. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. Always do yeah. It right. They're they're always saying the right thing because they're always <laughs> clear about what they're saying. Right. Or, or how they're saying it. And I think that that is the thing. And I guess it's because of like, like if you turn the dials and it's like, oh, well, there's like distorted guitars and Peter still has a deep voice. He's this big motherfucker. He's able to say exactly what he fucking feels. Um, So another song that I really, I mean, I love all these songs. Um, Here's another great one that illustrates this point. So in uh, Love You to Death, there's uh around the the around the five eleven mark. There's the um. Am I good enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, is there is there a more vulnerable statement that someone can make, other than "Am I good enough"? A- and you know, or like like that uh, that idea, d- d- right? You know, to 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 me, like that's, I mean. Maybe that's just me, but that feels like that is one of the most intense, like just grab right onto the nerve, you know, am I good enough? Am I enough? Will I ever be enough? Right. You know, 
it's like that that's the things that fuck me up more than anything um you know and so for so for him to on the first fucking song of the record to beautifully craft that and the way that it climaxes you know um it's just so beautiful and it's so vulnerable and i don't know that i would have been able to accept it if it wasn't coming from a fucking like it's so bull it's so bullshit it's so fucking bullshit like i would have been able to accept it if it wasn't coming if it wasn't distorted guitars in there and fucking the six foot seven voice. you know um dude who literally lifted weights before this performance right it's such bullshit <laughs> Um, I fucking love that song. I lo- I love a lot of the songs on this album, but so man, had you ever really heard any of this? I had heard a little bit of it here and there, but I'd never just sat down and listened to the whole album. Uh huh. Straight through. But man, this album's so fucking weird because it sounds there are there are a lot of aspects of this album that you can tell it's from the '90s. Like what? Just uh, like uh, chord progressions, like melodies and things okay. like that. Weirdly enough, but. By and large, it also sounds like it's like 20 years ahead of its time. Interesting. Because of the production values. Their production is so insane. Like the 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 weird mid-heavy guitar tone that they use, mm-hmm. but also the, the extremely heavy distorted bass and the processing on his vocals right. and the synth all in there at once. It just gives it this bizarrely focused, but also really rounded, heavy sound. It's fucking amazing it's so unique it's it's great it's so unique and i mean who the fuck else was was playing with keyboards yeah at that fucking time you yeah know, and doing it w- as well as they do it yeah um yep and i I love their production so much it's incredible that's so cool and and um yeah i uh yeah sorry i kind of lost my train of <laughs> um I'll do. Um, I'll do anything. So, <laughs> to make you come. <laughs> it's that, it's that cut off on this. That snap. Come. Just, <laughs> oh man, good. Yeah, sure, um, great. But yeah, be like, my be my druidess. It's just oh man. So, in uh, okay, I'm just. This is gonna just get kind of random, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could always talk about the glorious liberation of the People's Technocratic <laughs> Republic of Vinland by the combined forces of the United Territories of Europa. What? So, so I made a note about that. <laughs> I made a note about that. Uh, I was oh. like, yeah, they weird. Yeah. So have you listened to Bloody Kisses? Are you familiar with Bloody Kisses at all? I don't think so. Okay. Incredible fucking so. record. Um, I might have heard something off of it, but no. But there's a song on there called Kill All the White People. Um, and it's like, a, and that's the thing is like that you don't really hear on this um, is they have like roots in like hardcore and shit. Oh, okay. So there's like straight up like fucking on this record, there's like straight up hardcore like. Like D beats and shit. Wow. And um, like kill all the white people, you know, Damn. like that kind of shit. And then we'll be free, <laughs> you know. 
And so, but I went back and tried to, because I never listened to their previous records before Bloody Kisses. And I went back and I was like, let me kind of, you know, or real, I didn't really listen to much after October Rust either. Mm. Um, and uh, they're just consistently all over the fucking place. Uh, and it's and it's amazing. Consistently all over the place was good, but uh, but yeah, that like glorious liberation of the blah 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 to me that that that's 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 like Peter's very unique sense of humor about that sort of thing, you know. That. And then there's something like really sarcastic and silly about like a bunch of white dudes from Brooklyn with fucking long black hair playing a song that says "Kill all the white people," right? Um. And then I think the first track on World Coming Down is called White Slavery. And you're like, uh-oh. And you look at the lyrics <laughs> and like, oh, it's about cocaine. Um, <laughs> this is all about cocaine. Oh, wow. And, uh, but at the same time, it's like, you know, he knows what he's doing. You know, and you, you do get that sense. It's like, well, Peter Steele was still alive. He'd probably be saying some dumb shit right now. Um, like, we probably would have caught a dumb interview blurb from him by now. But, mm. um, but since he tragically died so young... You know, we don't have that, but <coughs> that that revolver video, though, all, all of the points that they brought up were were fantastic, though. And there's some weirdly like insightful things. That's why that's some of those guys were saying they're man. Josh Silver, the keyboard player, man, that dude. Yeah, that dude's on on some shit, man. Yeah, I think he's like an EMT now. Like, he doesn't, huh. he, he doesn't fuck with music at all anymore. Huh? Um, right on. And so, and Kenny Hickey does a lot of the, I, I know he sings somewhere on this record, but he sings a lot on Bloody Kisses mm. and his voice is amazing. And it works as such a cool compliment to Pete's. Cool. Um, but yeah, um, another one of my favorite ones always was, um, what is it? So, okay, so. A green man. I was like, this exemplifies a few things. One is that I took this album as a given, like I said earlier. Yeah. Because of how early I heard it. Um, but like, this is just a weird song, and it's just about a weird fucking thing. And it was just like, well, yeah, of course you could like write a song about like nature and shit. Why not? Because um, he worked for the fucking parks department. I didn't. I had no idea. I, I love that. <laughs> right, right, right. He was just like a. What was his job? Like it was like a ranger sort of thing. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. He was... But he didn't. That was one of the things in that video. It was like he didn't want to give up his job at the parks department to, to go out to go for, out on tour to tour for bloody kisses for typo negative. He, he loved his job so much, right? And he Good. was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make it work. To be able to keep doing my job for, and then he, I guess he had to stop eventually. But you get good benefits when you work for the parks department. Fair, too. So. fair. <laughs> but it's just like I love doing this job. I'm like, wow, man. Right. It totally. Wow. It's it like, man. Like that's like, that was really inspirational. Like yeah. for me to hear recently. Peter Steele of all people. <laughs> like this dude. Look at him. Listen to him. And he wants to do his fucking parks. Like, is job. there is there ever like a better example of like, oh, that guy was born to be a fucking rock star. Exactly, exactly. And he's like, I would really rather just like keep these parts clean, <laughs> write my songs at night, yeah, hang out with my cat, um, yeah, leave Wonderful. me, leave me, leave me alone, um, let me do my thing, let me do, yeah. And uh, another thing I wrote down here is uh, typo has always felt like a kind of a pure expression, 
devoid of too many influences except other fundamental, like pure expression kind of bands like the Beatles and Black Sabbath. Mm. Um, like there's not, like you don't get, like you don't listen to Typo, at least not these records. And I mean, and maybe just not me, right? Because this is the other thing. I have a big blind spot. I don't know much about goth. I don't know about much about 80s goth and Bauhaus and Cure and all that. I don't know. Um, so yeah. maybe if I listened to that and was really familiar with that, something about typo would just seem like the next so, step or some something. Some influences would be more apparent. Probably. Right, right, right. But to Possibly. me, like they seem like a fucking island just off by themselves and it's and you know and i mean in, in interviews well, i think in the metal community they, they kind of are still right and like pete would say that his influences or his favorite bands were the beatles and black sabbath and you're like yeah i get that <laughs> <coughs> and so you know you and it was like yeah man and it is it's just whereas like a, a lot of my other favorite bands like there's like a clear lineage like mm -hmm. you see how Slipknot evolves from Slayer, Pantera, and Korn, uh, you know what I mean, um, and death metal and stuff. Like you see where those things come from, or right. you see how Lamb of God you know, evolves from, you know, Testament and and shit like that. Typo negative just seems to exist. <laughs> yeah, they they feel like a thing that they they got they somehow got to that point and they just kind of stayed there and nothing really. <laughs> Nothing really affected it too much one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like just I kind of I kind of see that as well. Um and yeah, and and uh I guess yeah, it's it's I think it's a song Green Man too. And it's like, man like that abrupt ending on there, it's like can't write a good ending for that song. Fuck it. Cut it off on the on the uh of four. You know? <laughs> like yeah, you know. Like and it and that's like that's like a good example of how this record flows, man. Because this is a long record. <coughs> it's like an hour and a half or something. It's not well. It's on CD. It ain't that long. But um, yeah, like it, it's one. It's of pretty the, long. It's like an hour and ten. Okay. okay. I think um, th as much as the CD would hold, right? Because it was the fucking nineties, so you had to do that. Right. And um, so, <coughs> but this record is a real journey. It has a real arc. It, it always feels interesting, you know. There's different kinds of songs happening in different, you know, because you're, you're you know, like all of a sudden you get, you know, like you're going along and you have all this sort of stuff and then you get something whimsical like Green Man or yeah, My Girlfriend's Girlfriend yeah. or something really intense and depressing like uh, Red Water, um, the, the, the Christmas song. You know, that one always, always fucked with me. Um, or, you know, something really novel like Wolf Moon or something uptempo like Cinnamon Girl. And it's just like, and all of this just weaves together. Yeah. And you get these weird fucking intro track. Like, like they have like a joke track of right. like just noise at the beginning. And then have you ever heard a fucking album that's like, yeah, no, just, just turn the mic on. We're just going to talk about the album for a second. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, hello. Is this thing on? You know, I just want you. Uh, I guess thanks for picking up our new record, uh, October Rust. Um, and then and then that's how the, the fucking ends too. Like you get to the end, it's like, well, I hope that wasn't too disappointing. You know, <laughs> it's almost like what year was this? Ninety six. <coughs> it's nice. almost it's almost like they heard uh, uh, Smash, 
and said, we should do that, but like our way. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, so sit back, sit back and, and relax. relax. Kick off your shoes. Put up your feet. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is a... Um, well, let's do a type of negative version of that. Right, right, right. Just going to be like sarcastic as hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope that wasn't too disappointing. Like their greatest hits, it's called the least worst of. <laughs> oh man, this is oh so good. Bless these guys, perfect, right? Perfect. Um, but yeah, and I mean, in the song "Red Water," I've been I was vibing with recently for obvious reasons. Um, but I've always loved that song because it was just it's like it's just a sad but relatable story, and like, you know. Like the stockings are hung, but who cares? Um, like, and it's just such a cool. There's just, I mean, that line to me, that line is so cool. It, there's just so much in that line. Like, there's imagery, right? The stockings are hung, but who cares? There's an important thing, though. You did hang them, right? Right, like you did it. Right, like like you you you're move you're doing your best to fucking move on, right? But what's the fucking point? And there's also the aspect of like, you're gonna take this, you're gonna take the line from the thing we all know, and you're not even gonna try to match it up. You're just gonna care so little that you're gonna say who cares and not even fucking worry about it. Right. I don't have enough syllables. Who cares? I didn't even think about it like that. I love that. But that yeah. And then like yeah. That's you great. actually did hang them. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, you know, the table's been set for but seven. Last year I dined with 11. And it's just like, you know, yeah, cool. Seven and 11 rhyme, whatever. Fuck. Um, <laughs> but there's just so much conveyed in that line. There's just so much meaning. And you really feel that loss. But you also feel this sense of trying... Of doing everything you can to like claw forward because you still set the table. Right. You right. know? You lost four motherfuckers this year and you still you still made dinner. <laughs> you still set the fucking table for who is left. Um and I, I, that's it's fucking yeah. beautiful to me. And it it resonates particularly with me at the moment um, in this particular season, but yeah, love it, you know. Uh, Girlfriend's Girlfriend. So when I was younger, I just liked this song for like Beavis and Butthead reasons. Um, <laughs> oh, your girlfriend's girlfriend. <laughs> you know, but now I listen to it and I'm like, man, what an incredibly well-written song. <laughs> <laughs> well, also in the Revolver video, uh, the point did come up that he just likes lesbians. Sure. So there was that. <laughs> yeah, right. So maybe it can be both. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not uh, trying to say those things are mutually exclusive. All right. I just, uh, I wasn't able to appreciate the, the the songwriting craft when I was younger. It was like, you could have said, my, you could have named any song, My Girlfriend's Girlfriend, and I would have like, <laughs> liked it when I was 12 or 13 or whatever. Um, but this is a really well put together fucking song. Um. Uh, die with me. I, this is funny. It's like I still feel this song. I don't know who. I don't even know who I'm missing. I don't. 
<laughs> you know, still I miss her. Like, I don't know who I'm missing, man, but I, I feel it. You it, feel it. You know? Man. Um, and there's just so much. There's just so much. Uh, and the, the songwriting on here is really interesting, too, because none of it really... Well, there's, only, there's very few songs that follow, like, a verse-chorus kind of thing. But it's all really effective and really engaging. Like Burnt Flowers Fallen, um, it's a really pretty slash sad song, and it's a good example of that. Mm -hmm. But um, it's really just like one theme slash hook that has like a bunch of different ways to get in and out of it surrounding it. <coughs> it's not like here's this hook and it's going to be the chorus. You know, it's... It's just like a totally different way to approach songwriting and to make things, to approach things that way and to still have so many hooks and to still have it connect so easily or connect so well is just so fucking rare and so special. Just gushing over fucking yeah. this record, man. It's, it's, it's wild. It's really something. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's all I had to say about it. Um, I'm I'm really glad that you liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just never. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, I just never sat down and gave typo like a real like. Let's just get into typo negative. You know what I mean? But uh, everything I've everything I've ever experienced from them is just like that's that's good stuff. And. I wanted to sort of dig into the stuff they did before a little bit and the stuff they did after this because I, I hadn't really thought about it. I was like, I have fucking no idea. Right. Do you know how many albums they did before Bloody Kisses? Uh, one. Hmm. Um, well, there are two. There's Slow, Deep, and Hard, and there's Origin of the Feces. But I think... <laughs> Great. I think Origin uh. of the Feces is like a live record or something. So uh, let me double check that. But I mean, you need to listen to this record. Yeah, I will. Uh, um, I'll definitely do that. Because it is just, yeah, Origin of the Feces, second studio record. But the first track is like a rehash of the first track on Slow, Deep, and Hard. So I'm kind of confused. Oh, okay. Um, it could be like a, oh, a, I see. A reworking. This, sort this of thing. album was recorded in a studio, but produced to sound live by adding crowd noises, banter with a fictitious audience, and even what? a song stopping because the venue supposedly had received a bomb threat. What? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna go listen to that too. Then this was done to simulate the controversy the band faced during the European leg of their slow, deep, and hard tour. The band is known among fans for weaving this type of humor into their often gloomy music. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. Okay. I'm in. Because uh, I listened to I was like, this is a fucking live record. What the fuck? I thought this was their second record. So, so, so Bloody Kisses is their third then. Okay. How fucking ballsy. Like, our second record is we're just going to be a fucking, like, art asshole statement. We're going to pretend that it's live. And make it sound as though it's live. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um. Yeah. So, and I mean, there's the original album cover for it, and it's like someone spreading their butt cheeks. Oh, just yep. a big, big hairy man ass. That's what that is. Um. 
So, you know, they were always what they were. What's the, is it like the edited cover? Uh, yeah, that one with like the skeletons and shit. I think I've seen that one. Okay. But um, I will say I very much appreciate the album aesthetic that they always do. We ripped it off for the All Severed CDs. We, yeah, we, we did. Yeah. Like, right. We, like, down to the fucking lyric layout. Oh, yeah. On Bloody Kisses. I just, I, re- I remember I took this to fucking Justin. I was like, yeah, this you're right. Like this. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I took great inspiration from the Bloody Kisses. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Fuck yeah, man. And it was, I did get a chuckle out of like to hear that Pete still put so much effort into it. Right. And yeah. I was like, yeah, man, it fucking paid off. It's one of the best <laughs> fucking like packagings ever fucking put out. <coughs> and can't, so. Can't argue with it. Um, but yeah, I feel like so. Do you ever have this happen where you have an artist, you have an album that just means so much to you that you kind of don't need anything else from the artist? I'm sure I do, but nothing is in my mind right now. So that's I can think of a few instances where that happened, where I just got so into this one record that it just sort of becomes part of like my mental landscape to where I don't even fuck with what they do afterwards. Almost like, as I like this experience was too precious to me. I don't, I don't need to. So like the Mars Volta, like deloused in the comatorium, Mm -hmm. incredible record. I don't need anything else. (laughs) Right. Um, Tom Petty, wildflowers, my favorite records of all fucking time. I haven't listened to a note (laughs) <laughs> of, of music that Tom Petty has released since that record, um, which is stupid. I bet I'll love it, but you know, I don't. I don't know that I need more. The second disc of Stadium Arcadium. <laughs> Fuck you. Fill <laughs> <laughs> oh. them in on that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tell that story for a second. Oh God. So that album came out in a level like. Oh, five or something or six. I don't remember. Yeah. And I, I don't know how we got on that topic or whatever. I, I just, I, I've always liked the chili peppers well enough. Same. Uh, and I hadn't been too into their last couple. I like, by the way, was like, eh. And then what it was, whatever was after that was like kind of, eh, also, well, by, uh, stadium arcadium was after that. I feel like there were two that I skipped, there's, by the way, and something else. There's Californication. Right. Then, by the way, then it was Stadium. And then it was Stadium? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Anyway. It uh, might have been a Greatest Hits release or something. Maybe there. it was after that then, or I don't know. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> Stadium Arcadium came out, and there were a ton of singles from it, but also it's a double album. There's like 20-some-odd songs. Right. And that album is a fucking banger from start to finish. Both discs. It's a two-disc set. Uh, there's two discs on there? So I've heard. Uh, uh, that album's... I haven't actually listened to it in quite a while, but I listened to it a lot around the time it came out. Um, really great album. And so I was like recommending it, I guess, or just talking it up or something. And you made you made the comment that, well, I've listened to the first disc. And I don't remember at the time if you said that's kind of all I needed right now or you just never got around to it. Um, but for a long time, you did not listen to that second disc. I kind of still haven't. Um, I thought you said you had once. 
like once. Okay, okay. Um, okay. once or twice. You, know? <laughs> you haven't experienced it, but you like, you were there once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Whereas, I've listened to that first disc hundreds of times, <laughs> and it has some of my favorite pieces, my favorite music mo- musical moments ever committed to tape. <laughs> oh, um, some of my favorite songs that uh. That, that that song Wet Sand has like one of the best drum fills ever fucking recorded. Um yeah, I I have a, just an unequivocal gushing love for that first CD. And it's so weird that I'm just like, <laughs> I don't need that second one. I'm good. Like the, that's enough. <laughs> this is yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what that is. That's I guess that's a weird fucking thing that I just have. Um <laughs> So, but I, I think I think that's almost what keeps what has in the past kept me from, you know, going any further than right. Because I bought World Coming Down mm-hmm. when it came out, it's on my shelf, and I probably listened to it once, and I was like, ah, this isn't making me feel the same way. Right, right. Um, Even if there's just like a hint of of ambiguity there, you're like, I don't want to fuck it up. Yeah, this isn't bad. But this isn't that very special, unique thing I got from October Rust, which is so precious, precious, precious and important to me. Right. So, um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, All right. Um, So I guess we could talk about talk about Lady for a bit. Um, So yeah, this record. I think it came out in 2017. I think that's right. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that there was a record I listened to more in 2017 than this one. Uh, warranted, I'm going to say. So this is a hell of an album. Uh, this is to to me this is a this is kind of a one of a kind album too. Really, I've never heard anything else like this. Uh, even their cool. other albums, I've listened to all their other albums, and it's very different. It's good. It's all good. It's good. Yeah, but it's not this. Yeah. yeah. You ever you ever fuck with Alcest? Because of well, so I had it recommended to me a while ago, and I tried it out, and I was like, I don't know. And then uh, I think a lot of people relate them back to they're very similar. Yeah, they're, well, they run in similar circles. I not guess so much say. this record, definitely not. But um, the the first few Legisgrave <clears throat> records and Alsis earlier stuff are very they're very much coming from the same place. Yes, which I think that is something so interesting. About this overall, like if you look at like, well, what's similar about these three things, these three records besides drum machines, <laughs> um, is that, you know, this band starts off and kind of a, um, you know, post black metal, um, you know, black gaze, shoe gaze kind of vibe. Um, whereas like some of their, you know, like you hear like, like there's like double bass and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? There's even, I think there's even some screaming vocals on on some of their earlier records. Yeah, a little bit. <clears throat> and and this record is like more Portishead than anything. Like it's, it's yes, it's you know there's like tri- it's like trip hop. Yeah. Or I think that's what you call that genre. It's it's much closer to that. <clears throat> and so it's so interesting that they arrive there. Yes. From that starting point. Right. Um. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I did. I, I listened to their earlier stuff, and I do like it. Uh, and I did go listen to like Alsace, Alsace, 
I don't know how to say it. I don't know. Alcest? Alcest. Alcest. Yeah, Alcest. A-L-C-E-S-T. C-E-S-T. Yeah, C-E-S-T. Yeah. And I guess I guess I kind of went to it looking for maybe some of what's going on here, and there really isn't a lot of that. No. But but what it is, it's pretty damn good. To me, it touches the same emotion. So, yeah, like, well, and Alcest has done a lot. Yeah. They're... I think actually the last time that we did this, I almost was going to suggest their record, one of their records, their most recent one, Spiritual Instinct, instead of the uh, the warning. Um, remember when we did that one several months yes. ago? Yes. The warning from a distance. Which that, I like, loved. Doom metal record. It was either going to be that one or an Alsis record. Um, so I really, really love that band as well. Um, but... But it's a very different approach to this similar vibe that, you know, Predators. Uh, yeah, I out. think I listened to Spiritual Instinct and Kodama are the two that I checked out. They're all they're all really great. Okay, they're one of those bands that it's like give me all of your all of your vinyl. Give me your finest everything. Yeah. So, uh, so something that um, this album's French. These band is French. Yeah. The lyrics are in French. So I do not know what they're talking about. I haven't looked at translations or anything. Same. I do not know what's going on in this album, lyrically, thematically. Um, I'm sure it's all fascist. They're, mm, I hope not. <laughs> Wouldn't not, that be terrible? It's, it's not that in my head, and I think that's all that I care about. Um, for, for, for the most part. It's all master race and oh, white is right no. and 13 words and... All this shit. <laughs> well, now I got to go look it up to know, I guess. <laughs> to know if I should cancel Latest Gray. You're like, God damn it. Like, f- <sighs> fucking French socialist <laughs> post-black metal. <laughs> is that like a big movement? Or is that a thing? What? I mean, there's national describing? socialist black metal. I mean, there are that everywhere, I'm sure. But, like, is that a thing in Specifically in the black metal. No, not specifically French. But, okay, okay. But, no, I mean, uh, of all the metal subgenres, most of the fascists do... Uh, for whatever reason, well, there's reasons, but they do nestle in black metal. Like you, you don't have like openly fascist death metal bands. I mean, they probably, but you do have openly like fascist, racist, Nazi black metal bands. Hmm. It does exist. It is a thing. Right. Um, but by that same token, you don't have openly like anti-fascist death metal bands either, and you do have anti-fascist black metal bands. Hmm. So. Okay. It is interesting how like what like what genres of extreme music are allow like lean into politics and which don't. Right. Right. And death metal definitely does not. However, death metal has has like overlapping roots in grindcore, which definitely does. Huh. And uh so it's it's interesting. It's yeah. in, it's interesting stuff. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, the lyrics are in French. So yeah, the lyrics are in French. So you don't know what they're you don't know what they're talking about. And there's a thing that we've talked about a few times around like, I guess the example that keeps coming to mind is when we did the video game stuff, the Near albums. Oh yeah, that sure. are in it, m- primarily made up languages. This and is so cool too. And so you get look at this. You get a. Uh, like they put nice. printing on the inside of the vinyl. Who the fuck does cool. that? That's so awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, 
but you you experience music that you don't know what is being conveyed and that's something that you can get that you don't get very often you get it from very specific cases like that like that near soundtrack or you get it from foreign music you know from foreign from wherever you're at uh, for us it's anyone who isn't english right 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 um and i've gotten way into like a couple of japanese bands uh-huh. over the years uh romstein's a great example great example uh and i always Best japanese band <laughs> wonderful japanese band uh they're the cutest they're the <laughs> most kawaii band uh but i always love finding an album like this that really uh hits me the right way <coughs> and i don't know what they're saying and i don't ever want to know because by the time it's already made the connection with me i already know what i'm thinking that they're saying in my mind and that's all that i need it yeah man that's I wrote something down similar that I wanted to talk about in that sense that there's something about the lyrics being in a different language. To me, particularly French, as it syncs up with this music, mm-hmm. um, that gives it an abstract quality. Like it, and so it it allow it's 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 like an open ended thing. So where you're able to. F- you know, it's like a half-empty cup, right? Like you're, there's room for you to fill it up with whatever yeah. you need to fill it up with, like with whatever you're experiencing, whatever emotions you're having. Right. There's room for it to you for you to attach it to these meat to to whatever, you know, whatever meaning you need to attach it to. Yeah. But there's still vocalizing. Yes. As opposed to just purely instrumental music, because everyone connects to the voice because we all have one. Right. Right. You, you know somebody, you know that person's saying something. They're getting human thoughts across. Right. You just don't know what they are, but they, they have a feeling to them. Right. Right. I, I used to... You can kind of ascribe whatever you want to that. Yeah, or like whatever you need to. Or whatever you need, yeah. yeah. I used to listen to the Rammstein song, um, you know, Seaman, or, you know, Zeman, or yeah. whatever. whatever. Um, cause it's just a beautiful, kind of sad, kind of heavy, but just a beautiful song. And yeah. I listen to it on repeat, you know, sometimes just because I just needed to process things <coughs> and I didn't, you know, I didn't need to know what those lyrics meant. Now I did look up a lot of Rammstein translations, yeah. um, but, but that's not the point. You know what I mean? Like it was, I, I was able to put myself into that in an abstract way that I wasn't able to put myself into, you know, October Rust, for instance. Right. Like October Rust is too literal, you know, like it's a cool song or it's not, or it's this or it's that, or it's a cool story or it's not. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling those things, then I'm feeling them. If I'm not feeling those things, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm reacting to or referencing those, those things. But with, you know, Rammstein or, or, you know, music that's in a language you don't understand, like you can just, open container man yeah it, with with lyrics that you understand <laughs> almost almost whether you want to or not you're going to get the intentionality yeah there's going to be a, like you're just listening to someone talk and you know what they're saying yeah there's going to be a bias in there in some sense yeah so you i know? i really really appreciate and like cherish when albums like this come along yeah and i can i can experience just that pure uh, 
that pure feeling of, of what it feels like they're saying to me. And I don't have to know, and I don't want to know, and I, that's all I need. Beautifully said. So uh, I just found this here. There's this really nice description here um, about, in, in the vinyl here, um, description of the record. So Predators is an album about the loss of all, the loss of beauty, the loss of love, and the loss of empathy. It's an album dedicated to our planet and its most noble inhabitants, animals. It's an apology to all the destruction and suffering humans have done and do. We are the so-called most evolved species of all. Still, we are the one that destroys the most. The world and its beauties will die by our hands, and so do we. We are predators, our own predators. Holy shit. Okay. So that's where they're coming from. Somehow that totally works uh, <laughs> for the for the feeling that I get for this album. And I'm I'm wrong. There is one English part of this album, and it's the intro right. track. Yeah. And it's is a bear, is a pig, is, is a, a duh. Is a is a bear, is a boy, is a yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a duh, is a duh, is a boy. Is a boy. And the screams I heard in the slaughterhouse were the screams of my father. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Saying the, the screams of a, of a whale, of a dying whale. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or the screams of his father who died of cancer. Right. I believe is what it was. Right. It's suffer, you know, like making this point that suffering is suffering. Yeah. No matter what the living thing is. Suffering Everything is can suffering. suffer. Yeah. Uh, which was... Uh, so, so I guess on some level that sort of plants a seed to what you're maybe thinking about subconsciously or, or otherwise getting into the album. Right, right. So fair enough there. Uh, but... The, yeah. al but also the music on its own and the songs otherwise, they do an incredible job. This is a really long-winded way for us to say, if you're going to, if you want us to hear a vegan message, you better put it in a different <laughs> language. <laughs> Maybe seed it a little bit in the first, the opening track. But for the rest, I don't want to know what you're, fuck you're saying. You'll get your point across. Yeah, you can well. tell me exactly what it is if it's a sample <laughs> low in the mix. But the rest of that shit, you better uh, do it in a language I don't fucking uh, understand. Right, right. Um, no, that's yeah. It's it's a beautiful album. It is a beautiful album. Yeah. Um, I one of the things I wrote about it is um, this album is like a good dream, yeah. slippery and sublime. There's no handles for it. I like it. I think that works. Because that was something that when I when I was like, let me revisit this, right? <coughs> Cause there's good there's cool songs on October Rust. There's cool songs on holographic on holographic violence. None of these like I mean, they're all great, but none of these like really I don't feel like I can just put my finger on any one thing mm -hmm. on this album. Like it's just this whole just slippery dreamscape. Yeah. You know? Um, Absolutely. You ever listen to any like Alan Watts lectures? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So there's this feeling that I, <coughs> that feels very specific to Alan Watts lectures to me. Which is, you're listening to it, you're like, wow, it's so amazing. Wow, it's so insightful. Wow, it's so good. And like you're present and you're entertained. 
and all these things. And then you're like, man, it's such a good idea. Let me put that in my pocket. Let me keep that idea. Hold on to that tightly and put it in my pocket. And then the lecture is over, you know, the talk is over. You're walking around and you're thinking about it a few hours and you like check your pocket for that idea and it's empty. <laughs> and uh, that's how a lot of Alan Watts feels. Um, just the nature of how he, like you feel like you're understanding it while he's talking, but then you can't really explain it later because he's not really a lecturer. He's a spiritual entertainer. Mm. more than being a teacher um not that you don't learn things but right it's like um, sort of does enough to draw you in and get you along for the ride so that you're totally with him but there are things that you can't grasp until you get into it deeper yourself later maybe right yeah he's not like okay so this is this and this is this and this is not this for reasons a b and c let's talk about these concepts you know what i mean he's not doing that right right um this album sort of has like a, a similar like you listen to it, you're like that was amazing and that was great. What was great about it? I don't know. Yeah. What was your favorite song? I don't know. What was your favorite part? I don't know. So. This is one of the. I mean, I've I'm generally a, pre- a pretty album centric person when it comes to music. Anyway, like I'll put on an album and listen to that album. Sure. But this is one of those ones where I'm gonna listen to the entire thing every time. What? So this is uh, another interesting thing. I want to go on that full journey every single time. I think because you're starting to see this more and more now that vinyl has made a comeback is that people are making a lot more like 40 minute albums. Mm. Right. Whereas in the 90s and CDs were the heyday. Everyone made a goddamn 70 minute albums. (sighs) Carrie King like made a joke about that once. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he was like, "Oh God, we had to we had to put so many crappy songs on all those records to fill up the CD." <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, right. Because um, you're gonna pay like fucking eighteen dollars for that CD. You don't want to pay eighteen dollars for something that's thirty minutes long, right? <coughs> You'd run out of music. You you can't like go pay another fucking twenty dollars. You know, you that's all the music you're getting for the fucking month, dude. Yeah, it's different times. CDs were expensive. Different levels of scarcity. But uh, I feel like, though, because if you were going to listen to October Rust on 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 vinyl, it's going to be a lot of fucking work because you're going to have to change. You have to, like, get up and f- change that fucking vinyl every, you know, like you every two it, songs. And then you just put it in the second record uh-huh. and then flip that one eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I feel like October Rust is a good example of an album that's it's like, yeah, that's an album that works great for the medium of CD. Hmm. And and I feel like this one, you know, Predators is an is an album that works great for the medium of vinyl. Because it's it's relatively short. It's in that forty to forty five minute range. Yeah. Flip it over, boom. You yeah. know. Flip it over again. And it keeps going like you know what I mean? It can keep going like a loop, right? Um I don't know. I don't I don't know. Well, Anyway, but like that's the thing, right? Like you get to the end of October Rust on vinyl, but you got to put that thing back in. You got to get the first one back out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, just a silly observation. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, that's a good point, actually. Like, on does this have, does this have the track listing on it um, somewhere? Yeah, here on the back. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, the last track is Leon to Paris in some amount of time, I think. And it's like, it feels like something you might listen to on like a night drive to mm. me. Because it comes in, there's like a pulsing beat and like some low piano and it just kind of fades in. Right. And it just kind of goes for a while and then it just kind of fades back out. And I love that outro. I'm always I'm always like bummed when I hear it because I know the album's over, but I really like it. Right, and right, it, right. I'm trying to refresh. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh, and it just it just goes for a little while. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. That's like another thing that's trippy about that record. It's like I I have no very little insight or have thought very little about the instrumentation how it was recorded how it was i don't care yep doesn't just, matter <laughs> just give me that sonic blanket to just wrap myself up in absolutely so yep all right good good fucking albums this week yeah man uh, yeah i i hope if even if you if you made it this far listening to my fucking weird ass voice and hacking and snotting and coughing <laughs> even if you didn't i hope you just Fucking listen to the records. He, you're just doing your best Peter Steele impression. That's it was it meant is. to be. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was. It was um, to make you listen to October <laughs> Um, man, and, gosh, at some point, probably within the year, I'll, I'll be like, "Hey, man, so I listened to the rest of Typo Negative, and we got to talk about it." <laughs> listen. We got to talk about this. Yeah, we got to talk about, we got to talk about, you know. <laughs> I mean, for real though, like just skipping around though, man, it was fucking wild. Like I, 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 I haven't like given it its due diligence, but from my sort of cursory, like dipping my toe into their previous records before and their ones after, it's not quite what I was expecting, Yeah, but it's all, it's like, oh, this is all great, you know, and this is surprising, right? Like this is gonna, you know, this is not what I... There's anyway, whatever. I think Peter Steele's a fucking genius. I don't. I think you're probably like I don't. I I wouldn't say that about many people, but I kind of feel like, from what I've experienced so far, I'm like I could see the argument there. I I don't say that about too many people. Yeah. <coughs> he, he seems like a really like singular dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He might he might be a genius certainly at this, you know. Right. Um. And I I don't say that about too many people. So, anyway, there. Later, guys. Good stuff. Adios.